Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. And welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Red Octopus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorfing and Inebriate Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. I am your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and with me as always are my shuffled cohorts, Parasite C. You know, uh, I got a hand here. Uh, let me tell you about it. I got, I got a hell of a hand. A hell of a hand. It's got a, it's got a, a four fingers and a thumb, and uh, I oh I wasn't supposed to tell you that. That's right. I'm you, supposed to. You played your whole I, hand. I I showed my hand. God, you can't. Damn it. I'm, you terrib- can't I'm terrible. I'm terrible at this. Not this early I'm, in the show. I'm terrible at this. Please introduce Joe. Joe Nintendo <laughs> Twenty Five. Oh hi. I don't have a funny quote. It's okay. Yes, that was funny. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> and well, honestly, I'm just nat- I'm naturally I, funny. I so, enjoyed that. You ooze. I'm glad. I do. Not to say that you ooze weirdly, but you ooze laughs. I do. Right? I'm this, glad is you true. That. this is true. Okay. This is okay, true. This is true. Okay, I wanted yes. to clarify. Laughs like milk from your pores. Not out of your nose, right? Just yep. out of your pores. Your pores. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, and and uh, and we are joined today by That's a very true. special guest, very special to us, our dear friend Danny. What's up, Danny? Coming to us from California, the sunny shores. Hello, hello. I'm glad to be here. Nice to be with my uh, old Massachusetts crew, high school crew. Yes. And what, what are your and official online names? We got Nintendo, 8-Bit Alchemy, and... Parasite Steve. Parasite Steve. Yeah, yeah. that's that's it. So yeah. I can just call you <laughs> Steve still and Joe still. And, yes. uh, eight bit. Eight, and Mr. 8-Bit. Yeah, there's a million times that we've had guests on that call us by our, our first name and plenty of times that we always do it. Always. I usually yes. do it all the time. We're I, always I, like... I, I, I do it. <laughs> right. So it doesn't matter at all. But yeah, so Danny uh, has been a longtime friend and a longtime fan of cards, uh, both professionally and as a hobby. Uh, Danny, you want to want to tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of your card-related career, uh, and let the audience know a little bit about why you're so qualified to be here. Excellent, I would love to. Um, yes, I have a long pedigree in cards. Um, you know, started playing Uno at a young age and graduated to uh, cribbage and pitch uh, as your standard fifty-two card deck games. Um, And then at the ripe old age of 14 in 1994, 
picked up my first Magic cards, Magic the Gathering, trademark, Wizards of the Coast. Fantastic. That kind of changed my life. Um, <laughs> actually, it changed my life in a big way for many, many years. Because um, then later I went off to college and, uh, and instead of almost flunking out of school because I was partying too hard, I almost flunked out of school because I was trying to get on the Magic gathering pro tour too hard and um so i ended up making a little detour in my college career to stay uh to stay in school and uh but i continued to play magic um for a long time and then post-college i did the corporate world for a little bit before deciding that it was not a lot of fun and my magic buddy from college had been telling me for years about how cool dealing in a casino was and that you get to basically play games for a living and get a break every hour and make mad cash. So I said, that sounded like a lot more fun than workers' compensation claims adjusting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you couldn't have found a more depressing three words. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah, that uh, started the detour into the world of casino dealing, which I started in 2006. And Ended up finally leaving in 2018, um, so about wow. 12 years in the casino industry. Nice. Um, dealt blackjack, all the poker derivative games, uh, craps and roulette, which don't use cards unless you're in California. That's a fun tidbit that I can get into a little bit more later, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> and then spent the last five years of my career uh, dealing poker um, in a dedicated poker room in California. So, yeah, cards have had a major impact in my life uh, from a ripe young age, and that is my pedigree. That's nice. awesome. We, uh, we, nice. certainly, we certainly knew what we were doing when we asked you to be on this particular episode. I'm sure random. there are other ones. <laughs> Drew you out of a hat, things. and we're like, I guess. Yeah. There are other <laughs> things we could have had you on for, I suppose. But, man, am I glad that this all worked out. And you are the number one person I think of. When I think of people who are into card games, I mean, it's, you know, like we said, you know, we all went to high school together, or at least you and Nintendo and I, we were in high school together. It bit's mm-hmm. a little bit younger, but we, I was uh, technically in that one film you, you project were, you did. You were the, you were in the a film yes. project that we did. You yes. was at high school at, video production. Yes, project. high school. <laughs> yep, we had to do a music video, and we needed a little kid to be a sad, sad, pathetic little kid for the ugly kid Joe Cats in the Cradle, which was just just very popular at the and time. It, and it was a role that defined my life because I've grown up to be a sad, pathetic adult. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it really, was, really I was just getting there. I was getting there. You cut me it, off. Ca- yeah. it came full circle, you know. Yeah, but uh, we, we have known each other for quite some time. So I, I'm just super stoked to have you on the show, Danny, and uh, and uh, have you here to drop some serious knowledge on us because we actually could really use it with this topic. We, you know, Eight Bits want been wanting to do this for a long time, but we're not that knowledgeable about a lot of different card games. So we knew that we needed. Um, some experts to come on and we were actually going to have our very good friend Shelby Croto on this episode as well and she had to back out due to health reasons at the last minute but you know we wish her well yeah, and hope you're well, um, Shelby. this was uh this was sort of like you know kind of brought up by her as an idea and then we're like oh yeah you know 8-bit had been wanting to do that and then it's like oh we gotta ask Danny Danny's the freaking expert so nice yeah <laughs> I appreciate that 
Yeah. So, so that's right, audience. We didn't just randomly pick someone that we like. We also pick someone that we like that knows what they're talking. About, that's what we try to try to do. But yeah, sometimes it's just that. like whatever, you know. But I mean, you know, mm-hmm. this this worked out yeah, very we know, well. We know who we know cool people, and uh, sometimes these cool people <laughs> we, are we really, listen to uh, cool tapes. Knowledgeable about stuff. We listen yeah. to cool tapes, okay. you know. We used to yellow listen to more cool tapes back when cool tapes were cool. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's so, a puppy um, on on the mic right there, now. There is a puppy on the mic. Um, that's true. You guys can't see that or hear it. Poopy on the mook. Does he say hi? So she knows that she has to be. She has to be silent. She's a silent participant. Oh, she's so. a good girl. Oh, yeah, what a, yeah. What a um, AKA girl. good girl. What's her name? <laughs> Sophie. Tulsi. Oh, Tulsi. Tulsi. Yeah. T U L S I. And she's cool. a big white Argentinian Dogo pitbull mix, and uh, my right hand doggo. Nice. Well, so so we have both Danny and Tulsi on the show tonight. Very cool. <laughs> there you go. So Perfect. so um yeah. Whenever I guess let's just d- dive into the first yeah, half. So let's what, what's, hop what's right the plan in. for the evening. So the plan for the evening is I'm gonna start the clock so I don't lose track of time because mm-hmm. I forgot to do that. So you know, audience, oh you, my can, God. you can see how the sausage is made. This is how it's made. Uh, so I'm going to basically have a start to talk about the, you know, 52 card style games and stuff like, you know, stuff that you would buy at card game store at any toy store or target, whatever stuff that comes out of a box. We probably all grew up playing. Um, we're each just going to go, we can go round Robin with it. Um, so we can basically do, you know, me, Joe, Danny, Steve. And um, we can just kind of go around like that. We have, you know, just some picks that we want to talk about. Just going to kind of keep it organic. Um, I think naturally we can progress just like, you know, I won't have a whole shit ton to say about everything. Yeah, Um, same here. But, you know, that'll just kind of keep the flow going. Um, Cool. So, yeah, without. Um, Oh, Danny, feel free to jump in at any point if you have something to add for sure. You know, just butt right on in and and we'll let you talk. We definitely want to hear more of what you have to say based on. I mean, sure, you guys are tired I got, I got of hearing what each other has to say. Just <laughs> well, we have, exactly. heard, we have you know heard each other Danny, talk for you... quite a bit these last few years. It is Danny, great. if you want, we can just we can just keep quiet, and and you can just talk for <laughs> until you're gladly carry the show. You got it. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shoulders are so broad. Oh my god. All right, cool. Uh, so I'm going to start by talking about one of the most commonly played, known, experienced card games ever by adult and child alike and that would be uh go fish which is pretty much the laughing stock of of card games you know most people just laugh at it and make fun of it and it's very simple there's nothing to it there's like no strategy other than like maybe card counting or something i'm not really even sure um but i thought it was interesting and and kind of had to be mentioned uh and you know as a kid i played it all the time i i feel like everybody did um, but yeah. reading about some of the information about Go Fish, I thought was actually kind of interesting. Um, Danny, I don't know if you know all this stuff being as privy to card games as you are, but I felt like Goldfish is maybe under your radar, like way below. So maybe maybe you've never heard these before. Um, so I'd be curious to hear because no, I'm not a Go Fish expert by any means. Please, <laughs> okay. you have right. my rapt right. attention. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the the most riveting. This is welcome to my TED talk. Uh, five okay. cards are dealt from a standard 52 card deck to each player, or seven cards if there are only two players. Uh, remaining cards are shared between the players, usually spread out in a disorderly pile, referred to as the ocean or the pool. Uh, but um, what I thought was so interesting is that. 
the original rules are the player whose turn it is ask the other player for cards of the of a particular face value. Someone, you know, Steve might say, do you have any threes? And then no Joe might have to give at least, you know, one three if they have them. The thing is that I didn't realize is that in the original rule set, uh, players could hand over as many that as many of a given card as they have. So if I said, do you have any threes and you had three of them, you would give me all three of them. And then the way that you actually scored was to not assemble pairs of cards, but it was actually to assemble all four of a kind. And it would be assembled into what was called a book. And the player that had the most books at the end of the game won. Um, but that original rule set actually kind of fell out of popularity and really became what we probably know it as, which is, you know, you say, do you, you got any twos? And then if you have a two, you just have to give one over. And all you're trying to do is make as many pairs as possible. So it basically just simplified yeah. the rules. But I thought it was interesting that it had that original rule set at all. Um, that is interesting. You know, I played it the original way only. Um, oh, that's growing funny. up. Oh, holy crap. So, yeah, I, yeah, I never played it with four cards. Yeah. Well, so I had a deck. I mean, I was a little kid. This was a, probably my first experience playing a card game. And uh, it was like, instead of, you know, a normal 52 card deck of bicycle cards or something, it was, um, it was like animals faces and you had to get like all four to make the face. And then you like, you're saying it's a called a book, but so you'd lay it out flat and you could like complete the animal's face and huh, okay. uh, I, I loved it. That was like, that's cool. I played that with mom all the time when I was little. That's, that's so. pretty neat. Yeah. So I, I always just played it the other way. So it must've been just a generational thing too. What about you guys? Do you guys remember how you played go fish? Vaguely, very were vaguely. There, were there pears or was it? Did you yeah. say go fish? Of course. Constantly. Oh, okay. Okay. Of course. Then that might if you don't amazing. have the number, if you don't have the card that they asked for, you have right, to tell them to go fish. Go fish. Yeah. That distinctly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. as far and as the rest of it, they, it's interesting that you specify that they called the set of four, all four of the of the particular number, a book. That's actually fairly uh, common terminology in different kind of pitch games um, or trick games where, um, you know, as you're collecting the cards from a particular round of uh, a trick, um, they're often kind of times called books in different oh, wow. variations. That's so, pretty cool. So that's more of a general card game term than it is specific to Go Fish. Yeah, cool. Exactly. Um, cool. Yeah, so that, that makes more sense. And so the other thing that I uncovered that was kind of loosely related to Go Fish is there is a old traditional British card game called Happy Families that um, originated in the 1800s. Uh, by Jean-Jacques Jr. I don't feel like I should have said all three of those with the je sound, but it just yeah. felt right. Jr. He is credited with popularizing Tiddlywinks, Ludo, and Snakes in Ladders and oh. uh, published uh, Happy Families in the 1800s. And Happy Families is a very similar concept to the original rule set of Go Fish, where there are 11 <laughs> families, family names. There's Block, the Barbers, Bones, the Butchers, Bun, the Bakers, Bung, the Brewers, Chip, the Carpenters, Dip, the Dyers, Dose, the Doctors, Grits, the Grocer, Pots, the Painter, Soot, the Sweeps, and uh, Tape, the Tailors. And so the idea would say, do you have any, do you have any bones? 
And then there are four members of the Bones family in the deck. And it's the same exact thing. Basically, there's just 11 families instead of there being, you know, different suits and whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, I, I guess the Happy Families decks are still made today. You can um, you can still find mm-hmm. them. Uh, but yeah, I, the rules were heavily borrowed for GoFish. Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting. You know, uh, I learned in doing research for this episode that um, a lot of games like borrow versions of other games from other countries and sometimes it's like not always clear where the original started right um so you know i'll talk about that a little bit more with uh with my first pick but uh yeah that's it's clearly the case for go fish as well so that's pretty cool yeah pretty neat Mm -hmm. um but yeah you know simple game simple start you know moving things right along um nintendo you want to talk to us about a game that uh you you recall enjoying uh yeah sure uh i played this game quite quite a bit back in the day and and uh i i picked uh a, another game earlier by side against it so i'm just gonna go with solitaire um nice. i played solitaire quite a bit on the computer back in the day and even like on on traditional cards um we all know solitaire or klondike whichever you prefer um basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to stack up uh four sets of cards with different suits they're called suits right correct the the, the hearts clubs and yeah mm-hmm. yes so basically that that's the whole the whole point of the game is to is to create the four stacks each one with their own suits uh you have a, a stockpile you have a waste pile you have the foundation and uh what what they call it the uh, taboo tabo how do you how do you, how do you pronounce it it's a, it's a weird t I, uh, T-A-B-L-E-A-U or Tableau. 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 So in order to, to make these piles, you have to go like numerical order. Like you have to start with the, the ace and then the two and then the three and so on and so forth. That's how you get to, to the king. And you have to complete all four piles with the same uh suits and you just and you win the game so and it was on every computer every computer created like just like with the 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 3d pinball (laughs) back in the day that's a casualty (laughs) of the early 2000s 3d space pinball me yeah that game was awesome too (laughs) <laughs> Mine was Minesweeper. If we're gonna be talking about Mine. computer games, oh my, game, yeah, yeah, Minesweeper, yeah, Minesweeper is still though. pretty sick. Yeah, it's tough. I can click my way through some Minesweeper, but meanwhile, back to the cards. <laughs> back to yeah. the cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, that, that's basically it. I mean, it's it's very simple but very addicting. Yep. So, Joe, I'm I'm curious. Did you like to play Solitaire before the computer version, or is that like how you kind of was that your on ramp? Um. My start was on the on the computer, and then I did eventually start playing with cards. So nice. So in yeah. the second half, I will share a similar experience. Okay. Same cool. same sort of thing. Wow. Uh, I needed to clearly start on the computer though, but yeah, that's interesting. I think a lot of people really got into solitaire after that happened. Like that yeah. was just, yeah like yeah. It was on every computer. It was, ever. Like, a, it was like the the introduction. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've well, seen, I've seen my my parents or my my grandparents rather uh, play it, but I just didn't know what it was, and mm-hmm. I just never bought it. The computer, ask, but... the computer versions really just exploded the different variations of solitaire that you could play because yes. it, like initially it was solitaire, and then it was free cell. 
and yep. that's right yeah got really popular you know and then there's yeah. spider solitaire and there's like yeah i mean just the same way that the internet and technology and everything has has made you know every other topic explode into in, insanity it did the yep. same with solitaire back in the right. day right right exactly right totally yeah yeah here's, Good one. here's my I mean, question do you know what solitaire means as a word no i don't solitary by yourself so so solitaire s-o-l-i-t-a-i-r-e is primarily known as the card game but it's also it also means a diamond or other gem set in a piece of jewelry by itself so it does have the root of solitary but it's a solitaire and it refers to Mm. a gem by itself which is kind of like the game is like you know it's a jewel it's a gem for one it's a one-player game it's a it's a nice that is so poetic eight bit oh my gosh (laughs) eight bit poetrist eight bit poetry that should be that should be that should be a new segment yeah, the eight bit <laughs> poetry slam. BS <laughs> BS like... musings from eight bit poetrists. <laughs> poetrists. Now, if I ever propose to somebody, I want to do it with a deck of cards and a game of solitaire versus a ring. Yo, that's the coolest idea. <laughs> it's so much more you. It's more personal. It, it comes from the heart. Absolutely. It will be a very nice deck of cards. I yeah. oh yeah. So. I'm a oh, I'm a huge yeah. nerd for like etymology and like the naming of things. I love oh, learning sure, yeah. why things are called what they're called. So I feel like Definitely. I always look that up. Um, cool, nice. Uh, Joe, awesome. do you have any other thoughts on solitaire? Nope, no, that that's it. Cool. I mean, it's like I said, it's very very simple game, but uh, also very yeah. addicting. But I mean, yeah, sure. I ha- uh, like some guys at work, uh, like the, the 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 maintenance crew. They they play solitaire all day long instead of doing their job. I was gonna say, so it's very, so it's very addicting. I go in there, I need help. Like, oh, I see you're busy playing solitaire. Well, there, you know, there are other things they could play by themselves with themselves at work that they might get in trouble for. So it's, you know, in the world of things they could be doing off the clock on the clock, you know, the solitaire's. (laughs) Thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, they could (laughs) be playing with the game board. I mean, if you catch them with their hand on the mouse it's not so bad like oh know. oh right yeah i see your not so bad. your forefinger and thumb are hovering over alt and tab do you care to explain that <laughs> oh <laughs> yes <laughs> another time maybe um that seems awesome. far too specific eight bit i think that you just gave yourself away <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean anybody anybody who's tried to escape anyone finding what they're doing on the internet knows about the alt tab hover the alt tab hover, yes. You know, or just delete, like all, or all, deleting all, all gamers, the cookies. All gamers just keep their fingers on W A S and D even when they're browsing Google. And you know, <laughs> whenever mom's <laughs> home, you're always floating on alt tab. Um, all right, yeah, awesome. Delete, so, delete, delete the cookies in in the history and everything, mm-hmm. so no one no one can find it. <laughs> eat the cookie. All right, so Danny, <laughs> talk to us about uh, a game that you are a fan of. I would love to. So we're talking about the uh, 52 card deck uh, mm-hmm. games. Um, yeah. Do I have to pick one? Or can I can I talk about no. a few of them? No, I mean, we, we tend to just kind of do round robin, too. Like, we can go back around again and have anyone yeah. who has mm-hmm. a second pick go. Yeah, I actually have two as well. So, yeah, yeah I, I have. I, two. All right. Yep. Gotcha. All yeah. right. So I'm going to start off with uh, Cribbage. Um And I like to talk about cribbage because of a couple of reasons. Um, It reminds me of home. Uh, The 
fun fact, uh, the Boston Red Sox, cribbage is the game of choice uh, as they travel around and play their games throughout the spring, summer, and fall because cool. baseball is a very long season. Um, but cribbage is unique. It's, uh, it's kind of, I guess it's a poker derivative game versus like a trick game. Um, but it's, it's unique. It's a, it, a lot of like, when I talk about poker derivative games, I'm going to be talking like, I'm referring to, of course, well, poker, um, but then rummy or gin rummy where you're trying to make runs of cards or you're trying to make pairs or three of a kind, something like that. That's all poker derivative. Um, Cribbage does have uh, an aspect of it where, you know, you get points for runs and you get points for pairs or three of a kind or something. But cribbage also in its scoring um, has just randomly out of nowhere. I've never really seen this come up somewhere else. I'd be curious if in the comments, anybody that's listening can reference some other games that has this particular tie in or rule. But you score points if you can get your cards to add up to 15 so a six and a nine equals 15. That's worth two points. Um, hmm. Eight and seven, 15. So one of the best hands you can have is six, seven, eight. Uh, I think it's six, seven, eight, eight. So say you have a, because you usually end up with a four card hand. Um, if you have a pair of eights and a six and a seven with it, you have two runs of three, six, seven, eight, and then six, seven using the other eight. Um, you have 15 for two and 15 for four when you pair the seven with one of the eights and the seven with the other eight. Um, and then the pair of eights themselves are worth two points. Um, and uh, so that's, it, it's just, a, it's very unique scoring. That's um, cool. Yeah. Where mm. you, yeah, you get points for the runs and the pairs, but also your combinations of 15s. Um, and then it has a, a portion where you're playing the cards out Um each player puts down one card, announces the numeric value of that card. Um, so somebody might open with a queen, announces that it's worth 10. Uh, the next person, maybe they have a five in their hand, and they're going to add their five to the 10 that was played previously. That makes 15. They get two points for playing a card that equals 15. You continue to go around and play cards one at a time. You're trying to get to 31. Um, and you can't exceed 31. So if say you've gotten up to 28 um, and the difference between 31 and 28 is three. Um, so say the next person who has to play a card doesn't have a card in their hand that is three or less. They can't play, they have to pass. Um, and if somebody has exactly the three that would bring 28 to 31, they get two points for that. Um, or you, know, you can play a two or an ace that gets you closer to the 31. If nobody can play because um, nobody has a card that won't break 31, then everybody passes, and the last person that played a card gets a point. Um, huh. The other thing that's fun about cribbage is that you score on a pegboard. You have yeah, that's uh, the only yeah, thing I know right? about it. The pegboards are fun, <laughs> right? Pegboards are fun. Um, so and you get to like hop your little pegs over the one in front of you as you score points, and you go around and. Um, and yeah, I think it's like 241 points to win. Um, if I'm picturing my pegboard correctly, but I like cribbage a lot because one, it feels regional to me. It feels very popular in New England. It makes me homesick and, and feel connected to home. Um, and two, while it is a poker derivative game, it has the funky scoring, the additional rules that's kind of unique to cribbage that I've not really found in any other game. And three, 
pegboard for the win. Pegboard. Yeah. Pegboard. Yeah. yeah, I love awesome. the pegboards that they make. I mean, I've seen some great ones where I um, go camping with my fiance in New Hampshire. Um, a lot of those people love them some cribbage. They do cribbage every single, uh, I think it's Friday night. And, you know, mm-hmm. everyone like busts out there. You know, some of them just have the normal cribbage board. Some of them have like these crazy ones that look like, you know, the mountain range around the area and like just oh, some great neat. ones. And uh, yeah. um, Stephanie and her, her parents are really into playing cribbage. So I've seen it a bunch recently, but I yeah. was tried to be taught how to play it. And it was like I was on a beach. I had had a couple drinks. I was not super listening i wasn't actually like playing it and i'm like yeah yeah okay yeah yeah uh-huh and then 15 is important why okay keep going and so i'm just like you know i i, I essentially just retained there's fun boards uh and well, you know, pegs involved. it's definitely not the easiest game to learn and there's a bunch of stupid crazy rules that um will drive people nuts like okay um one you it, it's it's kind of, can, can we swear on this podcast? Is yeah, oh, you definitely yeah. can. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can say cribbage is the asshole of card games. Um, it totally <laughs> is. One, you can steal points from other people. So as they're scoring their hand out, and because the scoring is so crazy, and there's so many different ways to score, and you can, it's, it's just kind of crazy. So if somebody's scoring their hand out, and they miss something, like maybe they miss one of their runs, maybe they miss one of their 15s, once they move their peg, if they didn't score those points, you'd be like, ah, you missed a 15. I'm taking those two points. And you left points so on the table. You're so stupid. <laughs> you left points on the table. Exactly. So you can steal their points. Oh. I have dogs that like to bark, so I apologize for my barking dogs. But um, yeah, that's okay. Stop those the other thing barking is like, dogs from fucking. <laughs> <laughs> There's random jacks. Come on. Go outside. Go outside. Leave me alone. There's random points you can score off of jacks. So, um, there's jacks. If oh, which, well, you jacks. know the card. A, I was like, there's yeah. jacks, like there's pointy jacks. jacks. No, not pointy jacks, just pegs. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> in cribbage, the the style is you you the, the the person who's dealing shuffles, and then they deal the cards. Now, in a many card games, after you get done shuffling, you offer somebody else to cut the deck. Right? Mm. Not in cribbage. All right. In cribbage, you can try to get somebody to cut the deck after you're done shuffling. And if they actually do cut the deck, they get screwed and you get to score points off of them because wow, they cut the deck did, before they were supposed move. to. Right. I told you it's the asshole. Right, it's of like, you want to cut the deck? <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, I know what you're doing. So what you're supposed oh. to do in cribbage is you deal the cards out and then, and you actually deal more cards to everybody than uh, what they're going to end up keeping and playing with because there's a kitty hand. Um, so the dealer will deal the cards out and they set the deck down. And then everybody looks at their hand. They decide what four cards they want to keep and they throw the extra card into the kitty. And ultimately the kitty will have uh, uh, be a four card hand that the dealer will later get the score off of. Um, only after everybody has discarded into the kitty does then somebody else will then cut the deck and the dealer flips up a card from it. If they flip up a jack, they get to score two points. Dealer gets to score two points if they flip a jack. Um, regardless of what they flip up, you know, if, if, if it's not a jack, say they flip the nine of hearts or something. Then when it's time to score your hand at the end of the round, if you have the jack of hearts, because it's the jack of the suit that was flipped up on the cut, that's worth one point. So 
it's very easy to forget about the Jacks and how they score points. Um, you get to, like I said, you get to steal points from your opponents when they miss count their hand and then you can always try to fake somebody into cutting the deck before they're supposed to cut it and if they do that then you as the dealer get to score get to score points i Um, fully understand why stephanie's dad is obsessed with this game (laughs) (laughs) because it's obnoxious a dick the entire time the entire time exactly because it's literally obnoxious no game that's more perfect for that (laughs) <laughs> i didn't that's i didn't appreciate it i always wondered it i was i'm like i don't understand yeah. i don't get it why and do you like, like this so much get to be an asshole it's the asshole of card games it's four assholes and I'm which like, is why it is a very mass i think game. i think yeah right right uh, asshole. Asshole. yep yes. we're all exactly. dicks exactly and uh. the boston red sox everybody from massachusetts we are known as mass holes so cribbage yes. is our official game of the mass it's the official mass hole card game of uh massachusetts yes i like to think of it instead (laughs) if you change the pronunciation so you say mass hole you say muscles and it's like you're exclaiming about the soles of your feet muscles (laughs) just a bunch of muscles (laughs) doesn't sound so bad um all right awesome uh, that's so a hell of that's, that's a great. Hell Thanks of a presentation for, for yeah. explaining all that. Yeah. I, I that might actually great. be able to play now. Um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, Parasite Steven, why don't you yeah. finish our first so, round around the table? Sure. So, uh, for me, I since I'm not like a big card player, I did some research and found some interesting historical stuff. So, I'll focus on that. My first game that I'm going to spotlight here is a game everybody has heard of and probably played. It's called old maid typically this game is uh you know it's thought of as an english game it's a victorian era english game or so most people think i certainly always did um we don't really have maids in america so that's, it felt, that's felt true british um sorry i was just getting a random phone call uh probably spam though i i, I declined it it's oh fine. was it spam um, likely <laughs> they call me all the time I hate Mr. Sp- Scam Lightly. Mr. Scam Lightly. How that, dare you call that, it this he's, hour? He's probably a asshole as well. Stick um, So typically the game is played with a pack of either 32 or 52 cards. Um, the Queen of Diamonds or Jack of Spades typically being the odd card. And the player who is last in and left holding a single queen or jack becomes the old maid. Um, so the rules of this uh, supposedly Victorian game were first recorded in 1883, where it was dubbed in print a, quote, newly invented game. But despite that claim, despite what the Brits said, it seems to actually be older than that. Um, that version, Old Maid, was actually derived from an earlier French game, which is called Vieux Garçon which was first mentioned in 1839, so not 1883. Uh, in turn, Vieux Garçon uh, may be derived from the German card game, which is called, I love this name, Schwarzapita, which oh. translates into... Which translates into Peter. Yeah, Schwarzapita, oh. which translates into <laughs> simply Black Peter. Uh, which was supposedly created by a notorious German highwayman by the name of Johann Buchla, who is said to have invented the game while in prison sometime around 1811. So wow. there is just there's just a lot of um, 
of story around this storied game. Old Maid uh, was invented by, by a German pirate? Uh, no, a highwayman. So, like, those but, guys like that's like a land pirate. Right, like well, those yeah, are the like people, a land like, pirate. Yeah, they like got the rob people, people, but but you're on the road instead of on the. Yeah, exactly. you, yeah. they got the they got the cool collars that go cover their faces instead of like. <laughs> it kind of cracks right? me up to think that you know nowadays the the prison game is spades or hearts, but uh, you know back apparently in the 1800s Germany the prison game was old maid. Schwarzapita. That's, that's um, yeah, they're like, they're like we don't we don't <laughs> yeah. call it old maid. We call it <laughs> yeah. Schwarzapita. So yeah. uh, <laughs> don't call it that. Uh, so black. What's the Peter first role is, about Spice and Peter? You don't talk about Spice and Peter. You call so, it old um, maid in prison. You, you know, you are happens. the old maid in prison. Right, but what happens <laughs> in prison stays in prison. Right. I don't want right, to tell right, you right. what the Black Peter is. Uh, the Black Peter is my penis. Um, so versions of uh, I did. You I didn't want up. to, but I did anyway. Versions of uh, sometimes you got to just do stuff, you know. Versions of Black Peter are still played uh, today in many countries, and Spice the game is actually known by many names. It is apparently the premier version of the game, not Old Maid. Um, and uh, it's, it's just sort of interesting. In Denmark, the game is actually called Sotepe, and in the Netherlands, it's called Jvat Piet, which incidentally is the same name as St. Nicholas's demonic horned counterpart, a figure, a figure most more popularly known today as Krampus. So Black Peter is literally Krampus. Damn, old maid's like the most metal card game ever. What the <laughs> it fuck? Is, the, and it got turned into an old maid. It's it's yeah, no, a, talk about talk about bullshit. What a yeah. glow down. Um, <laughs> so so despite the fact that he has a connection to Krampus in the artwork, it's not generally shown to be a Krampus type creature. Um, versions of Black Peter are uh, in older packs. Uh, he is sometimes uh, <clears throat> a blackface caricature of a black man. Uh, but thankfully, more is modern his name packs. Peter? No, it's it's. I mean, it's the various versions. I, there's so many I didn't write them all down. Okay. But uh, you got a couple good ones, I thought. I don't but, think um, the part to focus on there is the name of Peter. I think the part to focus on there is the extreme racism that yes, is, the extreme is racism. That's in, good. Uh, right. Black no. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, I was true. I was literally just like, is there any <laughs> other redeeming quality about this? Is no. his name at least so, Peter? <laughs> we're dwelling so long. The, he was trying to look on the, the bright side of racism. So yeah. always. Uh, but, well, yeah. the bright side is they stopped doing it. So at least hey. there's that. Uh, that is. The uh, so and uh, instead of being a horrible blackface character, uh, he was he was more commonly after that was left behind uh a chimney sweep is usually what black peter is oh and then uh, he's and like that's why i had the black face because of the soot not it's because soot, of that's all yeah because, uh, and then sometimes and then sometimes uh in the deck uh, he's simply a crow or a black cat so it's not even always a human but there's just so many versions and um kind of kind of interesting uh Me. finally there's a german saying which i could not possibly attempt and i just oh, please won't. do <clears throat> i don't have it written down because i but you've I already possibly. attempted so much I've, i'm alluding to it and, and i will tell you the translation translation is pass the black peter to someone which is apparently used today and it just simply is another way of saying pass the buck or uh the blame or to dump something inconvenient such as an unwelcome problem or responsibility responsibility on onto, onto another person so you're passing the black buck is what we'd say here, but there you'd say pass the black, pass Peter. The black Peter. 
so, not Dave anyway Rayfield. all that from old maid so i i, I kind of enjoyed that rabbit hole i hope you guys did too i tried mm-hmm. pronouncing it to pass the black peter to someone shvasa pita can I try pronounce it? Pita? <laughs> Shishiban. Shishiban? I don't know. Maybe S C H. Shamandam den Shwashita. Shabiban! Yes! You get it! Pass the Shabiban. And and with that, I will internet. pass I will pass the Shabiban on to 8-bit. Shabiban! Let's have ourselves a delicious Shabiban witch with okay. Vegemite. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the um, so uh, so we we've been doing a lot of fifty-two card games this first half, and we're not transitioning yet. But I do have to deviate a little bit. Uh, the second half of the show, I want to focus on trading card games, but I think that there are other card games that are not fifty-two card based, um, and they are also worth mentioning. And so I'm going to talk about one of them. Uh, and so that game is uh, called Boss Monster. Uh, this is a game that I was made aware of by the shelves at Target and Newbury Comics um, because they had retro video game art on it and it looked really cool and they were all pixel art and looked like Super Nintendo graphics. And I was like, what is this game? This is really neat. Uh, so it is a game that was kickstarted by Brotherwise Games back in 2013 uh, to massive success. And basically the way it works is that you open up the box, you have a few different cards, you have hero cards, you have room cards, and you have boss cards. And uh, there are a certain amount of bosses in the game. You play the role of one of the bosses and the different room cards make up rooms in a dungeon. So the idea is you draw the boss at the beginning at random and then throughout the game, you are trying to build the best dungeon to kill the most heroes and win the most points. Uh, Every room has a cost associated with it. It has an effect. It has a certain amount of damage that it deals to a given adventurer who goes through it. And it also has a treasure type, which are uh, sword, uh, religious relic, magical book, or a bag of money. And those are important because they attract the four different types of adventurers, which are warriors, sorcerers, priests, and thieves. Uh, So there's the hero deck you draw every turn. I thought it was... What's the share song? The gypsies and thieves. Gypsies, tramps and thieves. Tramps. Where? Gypsies, what are the? What attracts? What attracts the tramps? That's what I want to know. Stamps. Uh, Black Peter. They love Passing stamps. the Black Peter around uh, attracts. Noted. Tramps. Noted. Yes. Oh, you mean Jamandam den Schwarzen Peter Schiebin? Yeah. Black Shabibin. The Black Shabibin. The Black Shabibin. That is when we burn the sandwich. The Shabibin. No, no, we burn it. Uh, yeah, so that's Boss Monster. Every turn, uh, villagers or, or heroes enter the village. And then, depending on who has what dungeons constructed, the different adventurers will line up at the front of the dungeons that have the most treasure that they are interested in. Um, there are some heroes that are attracted to multiple types of treasure. There are some that are attracted only to one. Uh, there are certain rooms that you can get that are upgrades. So you have to build a basic room first in your dungeon, and then you can upgrade it to a better version of that room, or you can build more rooms. And each dungeon is only allowed to have five rooms total. You cannot shuffle them around, but you can play new rooms on top of any older room as long as they're a basic card to try and change oh. it up if you want to change your strategy partway through the game. Do I understand correctly that this is not a game where you are trying to 
win with the heroes. This is a Correct. game where you are trying Correct. to lure lure the heroes into a dungeon for their yep. demise. Yep. Yes. Um, exactly. You are you, you are the boss, the boss monster. Yes. Quite you are dark the boss. of you. Yeah. Boss monster. Yes. It's, it's, yep. all right. it's quite fun. It's a very fun game. Yeah. Uh, there's lots mm -hmm. of expansions to it. And uh, the other rule I was going to say is that you can only have five rooms in your dungeon, but once you build the fifth room, every boss has a special ability that you can activate once you have a full dungeon built. Uh, and you can only use it once. So, you know, it's kind of one, one of those special, you know, situation. You want to pull it out when you really need it. Um, mm -hmm. It's a very fun game. Uh, there's so many expansions for it. Uh, just the base game alone, I've played with so many different people that all love it. Mm -hmm. Even people who don't have any interest in video gaming or the retro aesthetic of it, they just still think it's really fun. So, yeah, I love. I mean, the cards. The cards are so. As a as a huge gigantic fan of pixel art and old video game aesthetic, as you said, oh my god! Like I just adore the cards in this game. Yeah, it's just so yep. fun. Super duper sure. fun. So fun. Very cool. Really love Good it. But yeah, um, definitely check it out. Brotherwise Games yeah, nice, is nice constantly putting out stuff. They have uh, another game called, uh, I think it's called Unearth, but I think they discontinued that one, unfortunately. Um, hmm. And then the, it's weird. It's like I tried to buy it on Amazon and it was like delisted and you can't buy it anywhere now. And it's really weird. Um, but so I don't know what exactly happened with that, but uh, yeah, Brotherwise Games is a game company started by two brothers. Um, they have a another game that is based on the concept of uh, boss monsters called Overboss, and it is a game where you have like a giant fifteen by fifteen grid of tiles that are constantly able to be rotated like for forward or away from you in order to like kind of loop around whatever the terrain is. I don't know exactly the plot of it, but I watched the trailer and it looks very fun. Um, cool. They also have games called Night of the Ninja, The Dragon Pinch Prince Battle Charged, Called to Adventure, and what looks to be the newest one on pre-order, uh, Castles by the Sea. So Neat. definitely doing lots of stuff, but check out Boss yeah. Monster, fun game. Nice. Uh, all right, launching off point for the company. <clears throat> yeah, totally great. Right. Uh, so yeah, Nintendo. I think you yes. also had a card game you wanted to talk about. That is not a traditional fifty-two card game. It's yes, that is correct. Not that uh, we have to do that for the second half. I'm just opening right, it up. Right. Um. So this the next one I pick is uh the one that I enjoy the most, mostly because I used to play this game with my cousin, uh, before he got sent off to a to a home. Uh, and that game is Uno Attack. This game is very fun. It's it, it plays similar to the original Uno Attack, but the only difference is instead of picking up cards, you have to hit a button several times in order to like get like either one card or maybe half the deck. It's random, um, and it's it's a ton of fun. Um, so. You have 18 blue cards, green cards, red cards, and yellow cards. You have eight hit two cards, which is you have to hit the button twice. Um, eight reverse cards, eight skip cards, four discard all cards, four trade hand cards, four wild cards, four wild all hit cards, two wild hit fire cards, and a uh, a card launcher, which is the, the main focus of, of the game. Um, 
it's just a ton of fun. Um, one of the things that I, 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 I like about the game is you get, you get the, the wild hit fire card is basically a card where whoever um, goes after you, they have to keep hitting the button until they get cards. So even if they have an Uno, this is kind of like the, the wild four. And this, 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 so this is this is this is the card that will ruin relationships. <laughs> and and uh, so yeah, you just keep hitting the card until you get like maybe one or half a deck or whatever. And and uh, in order to win the game, you just gotta get rid of all your cards. So that that hasn't changed at all. But th- there's some some differences in in this game. There's a there's a swap trade trade hand card. So like say you have a fuck ton of cards. And and someone has an Uno or or way way less cards than you. You can trade all your cards with the person with the less amount of cards, and you can win that way. So so there's some strategy involved with that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've heard about this game forever, and I have never gotten a play Uno attack, but I know a lot of people love it because it's just like yeah. fast and and there's a reason to slap yeah. a button, which is always fun. Yeah. Yep. I, I love slapping I- buttons. Quack, 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 quack. Yeah, that's what stands out to me between the the difference between classic Uno and Uno Attack was that it it had that kind of plastic uh, card delivery method in the middle, right? Where you push the button and then it literally shoots cards at you. Yes, yes, yes. It attacks you. It attacks you. It literally attacks you with cards. (laughs) Yes. I mean, they don't just like they don't like like like. It's not like I'm an out. ATM no, machine they... taking your card out and it's like, please collect your cards now. No. Right. No. It's no, like this shit shoots right out. It will shoot cards right out. At you. Yeah. This shit will fall on the floor. Yeah. You're not careful. <laughs> right. Right. You will be playing Uno Attack on the floor whether you want to or not. Yeah. On the floor. On the floor. That's the 52 um, card pickup right there. Just hit all the buttons so you release all the cards. You know what game I like to play? Two card pickup. It's when someone throws the deck of cards on the floor and you only get to two of them and then you walk away. Yeah. <laughs> my, it's my favorite favorite card game. Um, nice. And yeah, you're like, no this attack. is your house, genius. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Nice, nice bleeping. I like that. You bleeped the wrong word. It was funny. Um, so, uh, Danny, do you have another game to share for us? I do. Um it's funny. I, I was gonna. I was going with one game that was more of a 52 card, but not 52 card, but using a 52 card deck. Part of it. Um, but then these guys started talking about other things, and now I'm all up in the world. Um, <laughs> so, up in the world versus being up in the air. Um, <laughs> honorable mention. Honorable mention to euchre. Euchre is a uh, trick style game. Um, it's kind of like the the younger little brother uh, to Pinochle. Um but it's very specific to the Midwest. I believe that Uyghur was uh, born out of Michigan. And this is when everybody in the comments is going to like, ah, it was Minnesota or Michigan or something like that. But it's a Midwest game. Um, you play with a regular deck of cards, except you only play with nine through ace. Um, and so anything eight and less you get rid of and you don't play with that. Uh, you, it's a four player game and uh, you play in teams, two versus two. Um, there's a Trump suit and uh, what kind of makes you unique, uh, Euchre unique um, is that the, 
the highest cards of the trump suit aren't you know usually ace is the strongest card and then it goes ace king queen jack ten nine whatever um and in euchre the trump suit the the most powerful card of the trump is the jack of that suit so if hearts was trump the jack of hearts would be the most powerful card and they call it the right bower um and the second most powerful card uh if hearts was trump would be the jack of diamonds it's the same color offsuit jack is the left bower so you have the right and the left bower the jack of this the same color offsuit jack as the right and left bower and then it goes ace king queen ten nine from there um and as with other trick games uh one person leads um everybody has to follow suit unless they can't and then they can trump in and try to steal it um you're trying to take each trick or book um I don't think in Euchre it's actually called books, but like in other, like P-Knuckle, I think it's called books and spades and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, uh, when I when I left Massachusetts and went to college in, in Indiana at Purdue University, um, everybody talked about Euchre. And huh. I would walk by like the bars and stuff, had Euchre nights, and it was advertised on the windows, and it was just Euchre, 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 and it was so obnoxious, and I was so loyal to my New England roots, to my Massachusetts roots, I was like, you guys are crazy. You're insane. Everybody's nuts about this. I am never going to play Euchre. And then I played Euchre. And it's so much fun. Mother Euchre, you got me. Mother Euchre, you got me. So uh, that was my honorable mention. That was my quick, let's talk about Euchre for a second, regional um, and trick game versus poker derivative. Oh. But what I really want to talk about but. is Dominion. Oh. Um, so... As we're going to, we've mentioned a couple of times in the second part of the show, we're going to go and talk about collectible card games. Um, and a big part of collectible card games is that they are collectible. Um, so you get these specialized cards that are being released in a limited quantity. Um, there's, uh, there's varying rarities. And because of the varying rarities um, and the power of the cards and the collectible nature of it, the cards can get really expensive and collectible card games can be a very expensive hobby to get into. Um, and kind of what happened, I think, as a lashback against the expensive nature of collectible card games is that strategy card gamers um, started to say, let's play fun card games that aren't collectible, that are not your basic 52 card deck card. And, and this is very similar to what Tim was talking about with the, the boss monster, I think. Um, but one of the very first ones uh, that came out was um, Dominion. And Dominion is a deck building game. Um, and there's now a whole genre of deck building games. And if Dominion, Dominion is possibly the very first deck building game, um, if not the very first one, it was definitely early on and it's, and it's definitely one of the most popular ones. Um, but it's it's really cool. And the, and the idea of behind a deck building game is that you start off, everybody starts off with the same deck of cards um, and you pretty much are going to have uh, resources and victory points or yeah, I'm going to stick to Dominion um, specifically for this for this example. In Dominion, you start off with a 10 card deck. It has seven treasure cards um, that are each worth one treasure and it has three victory points. Um, as you as the gameplay progresses, you draw five cards. Um, you play. There's three basic rules to Dominion. It's very simple, which is I like teaching people how to play Dominion because you can play one action card. You can buy 
one card um, and then you discard your hand and everything you played and you draw five new cards. Very simple okay. game. Um, in the beginning, you don't have any action cards, so you skip that phase. So you go to your buy phase and you put down your treasures and then you buy a card um, out of the supply piles. When you buy a card or you gain a card, it goes into your discard pile. And then at the end of your turn, you discard your hand, you discard whatever cards that you played that turn, and you draw five new cards. Um, when you try to draw five new cards and your deck does no, no longer has five cards in it, you shuffle up your discard pile, that becomes your deck, and you continue to draw. So as you're gaining cards, it goes into your discard. You end up shuffling your discard, it becomes your deck. So now the next time you go through your deck, you're playing with the cards that you gained in the previous round. And that's why it's called a deck building game, because you cool. literally are building your deck as you play it. Um, and in Dominion, you can buy many, well, specifically, like 10 cards uh, are oftentimes action cards. So then as you buy your action cards, they get shuffled into your deck, you draw them, you now can play your one action card per turn. Then you go to your buy phase, you buy, you know, and the action cards that you purchase throughout the game, they break the rules. They might say plus two actions. So instead of being able to play one action per turn, that action that you played gave you two more actions. So now you get to play two more action cards. And some of those cards might say plus one buy. So now instead of only buying one thing per turn, you can buy two things. Um, so the cards that you're buying that you are, you know, that are, you are putting into your deck as you play um, help you break the rules. And, and generally, almost all of these games, especially Dominion, you're trying to build an engine that's going to allow you to draw as many cards as possible, make as much money, and buy as many things as you can each turn. Um, right. The ultimate goal is to get victory points so that when the game ends, whoever has the most victory points in their deck is the winner. Um, what's neat about this game, I mean, other than everything I just said, which is fantastic. <laughs> which is all um, of it. <laughs> which is all of it. But um, you would buy Dominion like it was a board game. It, it, it looks like a board game. And it has a, it's a nice square rectangular box. Um, and you open it up and then there's all of these cards in there. And the point is that it's not collectible. Um, much like uh, Boss Monster or whatever that game you mentioned was called. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, Monster. there's expansions. You have you buy the base set. It all comes with the same cards. Um, there's no rarity. There are not some cards that are rarer than others. Um, if you get tired of playing with the cards that came in the base set, you can buy the expansion. It's always going to cost the same amount of money. It's always going to have the same cards in it. It doesn't have that randomness, that rarity factor that collectible mm -hmm. card games has. Um, right. So it's a, it's a little bit more reasonable in that regard. But with the number of expansions, like Dominion, I think, has 14 or 15 expansions out. I personally own 11 or 12 of them. <laughs> I really like this game. It is it's one of my favorite games. And... Uh, Nice. Um, but yeah, Do you it's, have it's, alchemy because I see that's an expansion, and I, I must ask, being the eight bit, being eight bit alchemist, that's so funny. I actually alchemy is not one of the ones that I have. Uh, I know, and now maybe yes. I need to go buy it just so that you will continue to talk to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I've played that's alchemy so online because, of course, there's online versus Dominion, and so I've played with alchemy cards, and they're kind, they're they're pretty fun. I'll I'll admit it, um, but no, it's not one of the expansions I own. Okay. Cool. Yeah, there's 15 of them. It looks like that's nuts. Yeah. yeah. Crap. Oh, crap. So how oh, much does awesome. the set cost? I think it's about 40 bucks, 35 to $40 a box. Um, 
Which, when you think and, about it, if you're like, oh, let me buy, you know, enough, uh, you know, cards to make a, a deck of a trading card game or something, you know, every every booster pack's like, you know, eight to twelve dollars. So probably would spend way more than that. You know, like this is kind it. of like a very efficient way right. to get into that style of yeah. Game. Like if you wanted to buy a box of booster packs of say Magic the Gathering at this point, you're you're looking at spending a hundred to hundred and forty dollars for a box of a box of boosters. Um, and you can't even make a very good constructed deck. You can't really make a competitive constructed deck out of that hundred to hundred and forty dollars um, that you would buy the, the box of boosters for. And again, and we can get into more detail about that in a minute. But um, you know, you can spend forty bucks on the base set of Dominion, and it comes with everything you need for an amazing amount of replayability. Um, I think each each box probably has between 20 to 30 unique cards. Um, you use 10 of those cards at any given time. Um, you usually end up drawing which 10 you use at, in, in, you know, randomly, um, or you can follow a few guidelines. But the replayability out of one box is extremely high because of just the, the variety that you have. Um, and then eventually after months or whatever, when you're tired of that one, you spend another 40 bucks, 40 bucks, get another expansion box and then bam, you're, you're good to go for nice. a long time. That's really cool. So. Yeah. Deck building games are uh, definitely popular and I, I have enjoyed a few that I've played on, uh, on steam and things like that. So I'm going to have to check out dominion. I'll have to talk to my, yeah. uh, my personal friend, Dan, who's also a really big gamer and uh, like card gamer, your, board your gamer. own, your own your own personal Dan. Your own um, versus Danny. Personal <laughs> Dan. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. I have another deck games. building game that's like a Hogwarts, the battle for Hogwarts. Oh, you know what? I was that, gonna mention that one. It's a deck building card game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Battle for Hogwarts is surprisingly decent for a Harry Potter tie-in game. You know, it just it's like right. they put some thought into this. This is actually fun. Yeah, and uh, it's challenging. It's cooperative. It's both cooperative and deck building and Harry and Potter. So and there's there's you know difficulty levels you can ramp up. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I want to Ooh. move along to Steve uh, and get yeah. the chance to do his final pick before we run too long on this first yeah. half. So, Mr. Steven, let's yep, hear last from one. you. So, uh, before I go into this, Danny, can I ask you for a uh, 30 seconds or less uh, explanation for the record. You've mentioned uh, uh, trick style games, and uh, I certainly learned about that. It uh, it has to do with my next game. Can you explain in 30 seconds or so what a trick-taking card game actually is? I make no promises about 30 seconds. Uh, a trick... <laughs> the trick uh, games are games like Hearts, Spades, Pinochle, Euchre, Pitch... Um, the idea is that they usually are going to have a trump suit. Um, one person's going to lead by playing a card. Um, other people then have to usually follow suit. So if somebody played the queen of clubs, somebody else would have to play another club. The king of clubs would win the queen, of, you know, would beat the queen of clubs. If they don't have a club, um, then they could potentially trump in with whatever that trump suit is. And even That's a nine fine. of the trump, I'm just shut up. <laughs> even the nine of the trump. <laughs> Uh, will win that trick. But the idea is everybody plays one card. The highest card of that suit wins the trick for that round. Or if somebody played a Trump suit, the Trump, the highest Trump would take it. Um, cool. And then you base your points off of, yeah, how many, how many rounds of, of the trick taking you win. That's like in opposition of doing like a poker game where you're doing, like you said, they're called runs where you're basically yeah. trying to get like, like a series of rummy. Cards. 
rummy, gin rummy, you're looking for three of a kind, you're looking for mm-hmm. pairs or, or right. runs of three, runs of four. Um, yeah, so okay. trick, trick cool. games are score points differently. Cool. All right, so this is a trick taking card game that uh, is a very, very old game. I learned about uh, doing research for this episode because I was hoping to find something that was really, really old and that maybe people hadn't heard of. And uh, I think I did. So this is a game called uh, Ganjifa. And it is a game that originated in medieval Persia. Uh, We're pretty sure. Once it was uh, made on sandalwood and ivory, the cards, uh, that were etched and enameled in silver and gold. Ganjifa cards were always hand-painted, and in the beginning, they were rectangular in shape. Um, but during the 17th and 18th centuries, the game became incredibly popular in India, where it stayed. And it is, uh, you know, sort of now today, um, it's like a, mostly played in India. Um but even then, it's not popular enough today to be widely known by most Indians. It, based on what I was learning in the, res- the, the videos I was watching, I was, I was seeing like, like on Indian shows, there were Indian people learning about this game from other Indians. They had no idea about it. So I guess even, even there, it's not widely known anymore. But it used to be huge. It was like the game. Um, so... In this, at some point during the 17th, 18th centuries, the cards uh, changed from rectangular to circular. And they are circular today. Um, the craziest thing about them is even today, they are not really printed. The people who, who make decks do them, do them by hand. Each card is hand-painted, front and back. It's pretty crazy. There are just literally artisans. It's like a dying art form, and they make Ganjifa cards. Um, so back in the day, um, a set of Ganjifa cards consisted, a deck, or I should say a deck, um, consisted of 90 or 96 cards. They came in eight suits or colors. The modern versions of the game have just 20 cards in five colors or values. Um, the five values I have listed here. Um, I have the, uh, the the Indian words, which I can butcher for you. Um, I'm actually not sure what language they're in. It's not Indian, it's not a language, but uh, I'll just say the translation for, you know, Perfect. expedition and also to, you Hindi. know, uh, it could be Hindi, it's Hindi. possible. Um, so uh, one is, uh, one of the suits is lion and sun, and that's like the ace. Uh, there's a king, there's a lady or queen, soldier or knave and uh one called lakat meaning something of little value uh little value which is typically something like a dancing girl just very little value something of very little value (laughs) exactly because you know um what value do women have really i mean in in, in 17th century india not too much i guess um so the backs of the cards are always black or of a dark color Sometimes they're blue or red, but the faces have grounds of different colors. Uh, the line in the sun has a black ground, the king a white ground, lady has uh, red, soldier's gold, lakat is green, and the pictures on the card show a wide variety and are often uh, they're obscene. So it's like depending on the the deck painter, right? Um, Damn. It, it literally could be anything. You could be getting, you know, 
you could be getting porn Gunjifa, or you could be getting like animal Gunjifa, or like, like I don't know, just this right, animal, animal uh, breakfast foods Gunjifa, uh, like all sorts of stuff. So, um, we are referring this to the same culture that brought us to Kama Sutra, so it makes is, sense to me that right. that, that is yeah. that is very true. Yeah, it does. Um, so sense. anyway, there are it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, just still made today, but it's kind of fallen by the wayside. There are over a dozen complex card games that can be played with Gunjifa deck uh, today in India. The game, uh, the widely not not widely remembered, uh, the most popular game today is simply called Gunjifa, and it actually is a single player game like Solitaire. Um, but there are apparently over a dozen card games that go back to, goes back to I believe it was like a specific Maharaja um, was uh, mentioned. I didn't write his name down, but uh, he was the one who like wrote down or had it written down the 13 different or so at the time, at the time games that they figured out you could play with the deck. So anyway, that's uh that's, that's super cool and super worldly of you. I've never heard yeah, of that, but I've definitely yeah, seen yeah. Ganjifa decks in like the little yeah. boxes mm -hmm. and stuff. I've totally they come in the little that. boxes. And uh, uh, honestly, like to sort of convince people that they have value, um, it's almost more sold as a kitschy decoration uh, rather than something they're actually going to use. They're going to so play. Something like yeah. a wine decanter, you know, you could, you know, like, oh, it's a really pretty wine decanter. Are you actually putting wine in that? Yeah, probably not, you know, but <laughs> it's pretty. Put it on a shelf. People might buy them as coasters, uh, not knowing that it's I know. I was thinking that would be like, tragic. Yeah. Yeah. tragic. Yeah. So much. So or much that they think it's like a like an Indian or Hindu like a tarot deck or something like that, but they don't, don't realize yep. they can play yeah. with it. <laughs> right. So right. Anyway, it's like so you're that's, that's you're doing like tarot that. reading with Indian Pokemon cards. Like <laughs> if if, if, yep. an, if an Indian person saw this, they would laugh at your face. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, that's really cool. I have definitely yeah. not heard of that, and it's uh, really neat to see a circular mm -hmm. card game like that. Uh, cool. cool. Really cool. All right, awesome. So that brings us to our halfway point, ladies and germs, Retroids. Yeah. Uh, we uh, like to do this little thing called the Octoponder. This question in the middle of our show, and I will regurgitate it for you now, and you can think about <laughs> it over our. You can think about it over our commercials, and then we'll come back, and we will all give our answers, and then y'all will get your answers read from Facebook. Because I posted this question earlier today, what, what? All right. So the question is, what is a card game that you've always wanted to learn how to play but never have? And then uh, bonus points in case that doesn't apply to you or you just like points. Uh, name me your favorite card game to play. Like just, you know, the one you're most likely going for. Uh, so we will go on a short break and come back right after that to talk about our ponderings. Stay tuned. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews audio podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms.
Hi, I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts host of, of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast, part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we, and we will, will see, see you next, next Thursday. This is Larry Blamire, the director of Lost Skeleton of Cadavra, and you are listening to Retro Reductopus. Oh, yeah. Hey, are you ready to do some thinking? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. All right, welcome back aboard, everyone. Before we took a break, we asked all of you, what is a card game that you've always wanted to learn how to play but never have? And bonus points if you can name your favorite card game to play. Uh, so I will, I will start this off. Um, a card game that I've always wanted to learn but never have learned is actually Rummy. Uh, and and gin rummy specifically because I remember my meme always would play rummy and gin rummy and those were like her favorite card games ever and I wish I had learned how to play it and had been able to play it with her but I never did and now I just feel like it would be a really cool thing to learn how to play um, and feel connected with her a little bit and also you know it's a very popular game so I would go with that uh, my favorite card game to play uh actually right now is one that i wasn't going to highlight in the rest of the uh, episode um but that's the final fantasy trading card game uh the fftcg is really fun very similar in a lot of ways to magic if you know magic you can learn fftcg in about 10 minutes um it just kind of changes up how you do resource management and there's some other card types that kind of shake things up a little bit throughout it uh, it's a really fun game. I've had the most fun playing that of any other card game uh, with friends in the past five or so years. Uh, but yeah, so uh, those are those are my answers. Uh, we'll nice. keep the same order of operations here. Let's go to Nintendo. Uh, a game that I've always wanted to learn, or at least try to understand, is a game that, that will be mentioned uh, again later on. Uh, and that would be Magic the Gathering. Because um, it seems like a really complex game, and I don't know, I just I'm just really interested in like learning on how how to play the game. Um, nice. And one one of my favorite card games is a game that I've already mentioned that would be Uno Attack. Nice. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, actually, if you want to, if there are anybody out there, including yourself, Joe, who want to learn how to play Magic, um, there is not. Obviously, you know, anything wrong with picking up a deck of magic cards and just going for it. But there's also the free to play game Magic the Gathering Arena where you can download on your computer and you can play all the kinds of magic. And it's really, really well made and it's very, you know, good package and it's free. You know, they're banking on money from cards and things that you can digitally add to the game and stuff. So always a resource. But we also have Danny, who's a great resource. Uh, Danny, <laughs> what, what are your retro octo pondering thoughts? 
uh, I want to add that yes, MTG Arena is a fantastic way to learn how to play Magic um, because it takes care of a lot of the complicated things for you at the beginning, and you can kind of ramp up um, in your your knowledge of the intricacies of the game. So go get MTG Arena and Wizards of the Coast. You can thank me later. Um, <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. exactly um so meanwhile back at uh a game that i have always uh that i'm actually curious to play um and have never learned to play never tried um is the most the second and third potentially most popular collectible card games that that pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, they came a little bit after magic i know that 8-bit is a is a fan um but I don't know oh, if yeah. there was maybe some prejudice on my part that, you know, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh for, for the kids and Magic was the grown-up collectible card game. I don't know exactly what was going on there, but um, I hear that they're pretty good games, actually. And, uh, uh, yeah, I uh, would be curious to, to actually give those a try sometime. Um, hmm. And then for bonus points, I know it's going to come as a shocker to everybody, but my favorite card game to play is Magic the Gathering. Minesweeper. <laughs> what? <laughs> See that coming. Holy <laughs> shit. I would not have what? guessed. What? What the <laughs> front door? Just the best game ever created, card, video, board, or otherwise, Magic the Gathering. That's my favorite. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, uh, certainly plenty of people agree with you there. Uh, Parasite Steve, what about you, sir? Well, uh, my, you know, <clears throat> Magic is probably the game I would also want to learn, like Joe said. Um, I have tried a couple of times, as Danny knows. Um, but, you know, uh, I think I think I'm just just to be different. I'll say I'll say poker because poker seems to be the game that absolutely everybody knows and gets together and has fun and, and you know, loves, you know, going over each other's houses and smoking cigars. I don't know what people do. I don't know what they do. But they do stuff. They do. And they poker's do that. it's always around poker. And I feel like I might be I might be left out. I'm I'm I might have some FOMO going on. I'm on and, the outside uh, looking <laughs> in. Yeah. So i will I'll say I'll say poker. Poker's a game that I've been taught like three times in my life and I instantly forget. Like instantly. I can like learn that night and then like the next morning it's like foom. It's like Teflon gone so um there's no yeah, yeah I'll, I'll i'll say i'll say that and as far as a favorite game i don't know i i mean i i do i do quite enjoy uh that one where you sit in a chair by your lonesome and you're just flicking them at a top hat oh yeah the, the, gam- the gambit special right, that's how everyone had to learn how to that's, throw that's like a real that's a real that's good funny one. When I was uh, learning to become a poker dealer, that was part of my homework. That was part of my curriculum was literally to sit at home and pitch cards into a baseball cap uh, because, you know, as a poker dealer, you have to very accurately be able to pitch cards around a table. Um, so that was my homework assignment. Your favorite game to cool. play. Yeah. That's <laughs> a good one. It's just a classic. Yeah. I mean, you just feel like a badass too. Right. Yeah. Especially 100%. if you can somehow electrify the cards so that as you pitch right. them, they explode on impact. Exploding. Did you try, did you try Just dipping like it an in, X-Man. You tried dipping it in pink Kool-Aid <laughs> first? It kind of like, you know, like yeah, 1% of the coolness. Just like, I don't know. Probably won't, won't, won't be cool at all. Um, all right. Awesome. 
uh, we, we will we will move on to our Retroid answers now, which we have a few. Uh, first up, we got Adam Letourneau, who says, great question. I want to answer this in two sections, Standard 52 and Collectible, which is crazy. It's like you knew what we were doing for the episode before we did it, Adam. You listened to this show too much, sir. You have been able to predict the format to a T. Please get out of our brains. I'm just kidding. You can live there rent-free. We love you. Um, so he said he would want to learn Bridge. Heard, heard that it's a complete trick-taking game with a lot of strategy and layers. Seems like it would be worth the challenge if you can learn it, though. Uh, favorite for 52 is poker, but ultimately his favorite game would be pitch. I like playing it with my family, and there's definitely some decision-making in that game that makes it exciting. As far as collectible card games go, he says he'd like to learn Pokemon. That it always seemed like a fun game. The cards were cool, but anyone that he knew who had them didn't really know how to play it. I would love to learn it. And his favorite collectible is Vampire the Eternal Struggle, which is the second major release from Richard Garfield, the designer of Magic. But the multiplayer aspect of it, as well as the multiple avenues to victory, were amazing. All the clans had different feel to them, which he really liked. Uh, very cool. Very mm-hmm. thorough answer. Love your yeah. answer. Goes in the yeah, Hall of Fame of, of great, great uh, retro answers. Uh, Vampire the Eternal Struggle sounds really neat. I have to make a mental note for that. Um, Eric Michaud says, hmm, card games that I would like to learn. I don't know a lot, to be honest. Always been more of a card dealer than a player. There are a lot of collectible card games that seem like a lot of fun, but none come to mind. Favorite to play has always been Magic the Gathering. A lot of nostalgia school years for that. Uh, also recently rediscovered a little-known card game called Magination, which has a Game Boy Color game that introduced him to the card game. Uh, Magination is pretty funny because I only knew that as a Game Boy game. I didn't realize there was any card component to it, so pretty interesting i'll have to look mm-hmm. into that thanks for the answer uh justin cooper uh says rage also says that he used to play steve jackson's illuminati and uh he had friends who were older that played magic the gathering um and then eventually i i think says that he also played wizards of the coast lord of the rings game for a bit and there was also a dragon expansion that uh he always wanted to try so Lot go, lot going on there. Thanks, Justin. Lot, plenty of different games that you've experienced and enjoyed. Um, Andrew Worshborn says Star Realms is his favorite. Just going for the bonus That's point a there. Good Andrew. one. I like loves, that. Love Star Realms. Uh, I want to say I've played that game, but I can't and I, recall. Uh, a little fun fact stuff about Star Realms. Yeah, uh, go for it. Digital only game, I believe. Although I could be wrong about that, but. Um, it was created by the people at uh, Your Move Games, Darwin Castle and Rob Doherty. Um, they are magic professionals from back in the day. Your Move Games is one of the biggest, best gaming stores in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, Rob Doherty was the founder, I believe, and owner and manager for a long time. Darwin Castle, um, professional magic player, won a lot of pro tours, won some uh, invitationals. Um, and they tried their hand at creating their own uh, collectible card game, and that was Star Realms. And I that downloaded the app and played for a while, and cool. it was good times. So, so nice. I will, I will just correct one thing. Um, Star Realms is a physical card game, and I, I just double checked the just checking it out on google i i have gotten a chance to play this once a friend brought it over and i could never actually remember the name of it i'm like oh, it was something sci-fi based it was uh, like a bunch of spaceships i'm like i don't know and that it's genre a deck is building game right and it's a deck building game and i was like it's all you know i'm like i just can't remember the name of it but star realms yes yeah, that's it's fun that's awesome uh, i'm actually glad to have rediscovered the name for that nice. um and uh, we got uh, Birkir Fanar saying that Gwent has always interested him, which I totally agree. Uh, I feel like I should have been really into Gwent because I loved The Witcher, but I just kind of 
played it a little bit and then kept going. Um, but uh, favorite of all time is Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh has his heart. Birkir, uh, we have to play some Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. on on Iceland time, that makes sense for you when you're <laughs> not fishing. Uh, and Todd, Todd Gwaz, Gwadowski, Gwadowski, I'm just going to call you T-Money, uh, says Grew the Wander, the card game. Uh, Grew the Wander, I heard of i don't know anything about it um is it like avengers like uh grew the wonders of fantasy comedy uh, comic book series Groot. but apparently also had a card game so todd thanks for the thanks for the deep cut we love deep cuts yeah we love that stuff those are the coolest shit to find we love being in the deep stuff yeah yeah it's in the deep stuff in the deep Hmm. stuff gonna have to get your (laughs) yasutsuna katana to get that one um, so the uh, that wraps up the Octoponder for uh, yeah. all of our Retroids. So thank you everyone for the Thanks, guys. responses. Thanks for sharing some games and getting some yeah. uh, some information out there and just opening up. You know, creak cracking that book a little bit wider open on all you mysterious Retroids out there. Crack a lacking. Crack a lacking. Uh, so we are going to move right on to the second half of this episode here, which is going to be us talking about collectible card games, card games with booster packs and booster decks and boosting. There's always boosting, <laughs> but um, these are widely known for their collectability, their value spiking in the last few years, especially with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And uh, for just being the talk of the schoolyard when when you were growing up, uh, because, you know, if you had friends and you were into card games and the collectible variety of it, you want to show off the cool stuff you got. And, you know, it's like it was it was a big deal for big dorks, which we are. So. That's the deal. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to talk to you guys starting up with one that I'm glad has gotten mentioned a couple times already, and that's the Pokemon TCG. Um, I can't not talk about this. Pokemon's one of my favorite fandoms like of all time. You know, I, I was part of that wave, and I'm still on it. Still like it. Uh, so Pokemon TCG was a thing that I got into because the cards were just really cool looking. You know, as a young kid who was a fan of the Pokemon games, I wanted to get the cards with all the awesome artwork. And I didn't really know enough to read everything and understand the rules, but I loved the artwork and I liked seeing the moves and, you know, just reading all the, like, just looking at the different pictures and stuff they were just they were really appealing and the artwork back then i mean still to this day but the artwork back then was so great all of it's you know hand painted hand drawn very you know lovingly done and you know nowadays the art has just evolved and it's changed and a lot of cards are 3d um and i mean there are still plenty that are painted but there's just a different tactile quality to those older generation of you know, art styles like watercolor and pencil and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, plenty of other games had art style like that. But I just I fell in love with the way they looked. And then it wasn't until the Pokemon TCG video game on the Game Boy Color uh, that came out that I actually was able to start learning the rules because, um, Danny, like you said about Magic the Gathering Arena, these games give you a great rule set that you are hard coded to to obey without being able to make a mistake you you know it won't let you do an illegal move you can't do something that's not part of the rule so you can you can learn the rules not by just reading but by kind of muscling your way through it as well and just seeing seeing what works um and the pokemon tcg game on the game boy color was awesome for doing that uh and i i was not 
awesome at it at all. I, I like it, it's a difficult game. There's definitely a decent amount of strategy. You know, you have to learn the you have to keep in mind the weaknesses of Pokemon. You have to keep in mind retreat cost and attaching enough energy to a given Pokemon in order for them to use certain moves. And then there's like different elements of Pokemon that behave similarly to the different elements, uh, you know, the different colored cards in Magic where like you know, fire type Pokemon have really high damage dealing, but they usually consume energy to deal an attack. So you're oftentimes burning through your reserve of energy. Whereas, you know, water cards are are really good at, um, you know, having lower damage dealing attacks, but they help you, you know, draw cards or something like that. Like there, there's a, a light degree of specialization with all of them. Green uh, leaf Pokemon are typically have status ailments, paralysis, poison, stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, you can really build your deck in different ways. And for me, already loving Pokemon from playing the games and seeing the show, the TCG was just the next step of another really cool, well thought out thing for me to to really enjoy. Uh, and honestly, in the last probably three or four years, I've gotten back into grabbing, you know, kind of like a, a starter Pokemon deck and just playing it off, you know, just on a whim with with um, my fiance and you know some other friends and stuff because it's a very quick game it doesn't take a lot of time and it's just very satisfying it scratches that little card game itch and uh and i think it's very approachable so i you know i would happily recommend anybody who's interested in playing pokemon tcg uh probably not so easy to get your hands on the game by color game uh but the pokemon tcg website has a great digital app that you can download onto your desktop and you can play the card game that way it's very good about teaching you the rules and there are unlockable booster packs and if you do decide to buy cards in real life uh you also can enter the codes and redeem those cards digitally too so you know i think that's a pretty common common thing that they've been doing but uh yeah anyway that's pokemon tcg uh i i still think it's a fun game to to kind of bust out every once in a while i did not age out of it it's good stuff nice. um nice. so so what uh what we'll do is we'll pass it right on over to nintendo let him let him uh so joe and i don't have any specifically uh so we could go right yeah. to danny on magic oh, and then okay probably end yeah. on Yu-Gi-Oh. This is, this, is the, this is the part of the show that I have like no. Yeah, I, I will add <laughs> I nothing stuff on this, so. <clears throat> to our last one for sure. Uh, but but yeah, I let's... certainly think that you should present it a bit. Okay, so yeah, the, go... the last one. But yeah, so so let's go to, yeah. to Danny and let's talk yeah, about let's... the the elephant spell in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the black time? lotus in the room. Is, is it time? time? I get to talk about magic now? Unleash yeah. the magic. <laughs> So, Magic was created in 1993 by Richard Garfield. All hail Richard Garfield. Um, <laughs> all I, started, hail I picked Garth. up my first, yeah, all. <laughs> I picked up my first Magic cards in 1994, and uh, for many people around my age, I was, you know, I'm 42 now. I was born in 1980. Um, anybody that came in to 1994 Magic around Revised and Fallen Empires, you know my pain. We missed the. The sweet spot. We missed, you know, why were we one year late of getting into Magic the Gathering? After Alpha and Beta were released and then Unlimited, and they had all of these amazing Power 9 cards, Black Lotus, Moxes, Time Twister, Time Walk, Ancestral Recall. Those are your Power 9 Magic the Gathering cards. Um, 
And then Revised came around and they re they didn't reprint all of those really powerful ones because they had a year of playing under their belt and they realized that they were broken. That's the official terminology for a card that is too good. It is broken. Um, and yeah, so that's when I joined after, after uh, all the good stuff was pretty much identified as being too good. Um, but that being said, I still got in very early um, and I had at different times Part of my of talking about Magic the Gathering is going to be my sob stories of having sold cards that if I had not sold them now, I oh. would have a down payment on a house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when I was 16, 1996, I got my hands on a beta ancestral recall and uh, I sold it for $50 um, outside of my local game store. Um, and at 16 years old in 96, $50 was a lot of money. And I was very happy about that. It's roughly a $6,000 card now. Um, Damn. So Jesus. Cry, cry, cry. Um, great. Um, I'll go into, before I go into a lot of personal stories, I guess I'll, I'll give a little bit of a rundown for people that might not know too much about it. Um, it's a fantasy styled uh, strategy game. Um, you have five colors, uh, red, white, green, black, and blue. Um, the idea is that you use mana. Your energy is called mana to cast spells. Um, and the most common way to get mana to cast your spells is from lands. Um, so you can play one land per turn um, and then each card has a casting cost on it, which tells you how much mana is required to play the spell. Um, this spells, you know, the, the basic concept is you as a player, you are a wizard um, and your deck is your, you know, your, your, the spells that you're casting and um, your lands or your, your energy that you're using to cast those spells. Um, each color has a, you know, much like, like uh, 8-bit was describing Pokemon, um, each color has some themes. Uh, red is very much a very fiery, um, direct damage, uh, being able to throw damage directly at a creature or your opponent. Um, excuse me. It's uh, considered, yeah, red's, red's the damage color um, and chaos. Um, and then you have black, which uh, in early in the game, um, black was, you know, kind of the evil color. Um, and there were cards early on that they don't really print anymore quite the same way, but um, demonic consultation, uh, demonic tutor, um, um, unholy strength, you know, there was, you know, this kind of like dark demonic uh, aspects to the black color, a lot of uh, undead skeletons vampires uh zombies that's all associated with the black color um i have a i have a story of one time when i was in college and my buddy and i are playing uh magic at our local steak and shake restaurant because you could sit there and get free refills for hours on end and but we're playing in indiana a very conservative state and we have all of our magic cards out and our waitress comes up and she's looking and she's looking and she was like, what's this game you're playing? What are you doing Is here? this the devil? <laughs> are you playing the devil? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, a demon here in this here and I was like, shake. look, this is, 
this is just a strategy card game. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing crazy or bad. It's just a strategy game. And she's like, but, but this card, demonic consultation. Do you consult with demons when you play this card? And she, in this one, force of will. Do you have to force your will upon others? <laughs> We're like, no, lady. Yeah, it's just a strategy card game, okay? Then she followed it up with, well, let me be the first to tell you that Jesus is your savior. He, he died for your sins, and he will rise again. Now, my buddy that They're I was like, playing I with. I hardly see Jewish. how this is related. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. So, <laughs> nice. so that that's my uh my story about the early days of magic and be careful who you play this game around because uh, <laughs> you might get called out by your steak and shake server um oh yeah i mean especially but, now satanic panic is back in effect y'all <laughs> y'all but there was a few things back in the in the beginnings like uh the artwork for unholy strength had a um what do you call it the the satanic symbol pentagram. like the, the yeah, pentagram, pentagram. pentagram yeah yeah there was a pentagram on the card and uh, uh so then later oh, editions yeah, wow. later editions of unholy strength removed the pentagram from the back of it because they were trying to clean up their image um but all the things that people had to deal with um oh so, man so is that, that original pentagram shit. <laughs> is that original pentagram version worth like a buttload of money you know, I don't think so. It was a common card, um, and so there was there's plenty of those running around, and I don't think that that's one of those that necessarily, but it might be worth a few more cents than the non-pentagrammed uh, artwork versions. Um, so then the white, color white in Magic, obviously, was the opposite of black. It was very good and heavenly and all about healing and angels and... Um, and just boring stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right. Green was the earth color, nature. Um, uh, green tends to be, have some of the best creatures in the game. Um, there's different, uh, yeah, there's different spell types. Um, there's permanents. Uh, permanents are cards that when you cast them, when you play them, they stay in play. Um, creatures, lands, enchantments, artifacts, planeswalkers, those are permanents. Um, and then you have yeah, instants and sorceries that uh, are basically one of effects. You cast them, they have their effect, and that card immediately goes into the graveyard. Um, and different colors have different affinities with the different kinds of permanents or, or different spell types. But green always has consistently the most, uh, you know, most solid creatures. Um, your, your creatures, power and toughness, the abilities for the casting cost, um, green is very inclined to that. Um, and then a lot of spells that like play off of creatures and, and whatnot. Um, then blue is con commonly considered to be the most powerful color in magic um, since day one. Um, I mentioned the power nine cards. Those were the nine cards that were originally printed at the beginning that were deemed to be the most powerful and the and therefore the most expensive um if you assemble them did they form the infinity hand or something like no those are the nine it, cards that went to the kings of men oh, oh there you go yeah, yeah 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 the, the and there was one card seven. to rule them all and the one yeah. card to rule them all is the black lotus but uh mm. we'll we'll talk more about that in a minute um six out of the nine uh power nine cards were artifacts um black lotus um and then the five moxes uh mox pearl mox sapphire mox emerald mox jet 
So I did pearl, sapphire, emerald, and mox ruby. Um, there was one mox for each color. Um, the reason why these are the most powerful ones is that each, both each of the moxes and the black lotus are all ways of producing mana, the energy you need to cast spells. Um, except the artifacts themselves had zero casting cost. So you didn't have to use energy in order to cast this, uh, these artifacts and they gave you mana. So basically they broke the basic rules of the game where the basic rule of the game is you can play one land per turn. So theoretically on turn one, you had one mana available to you. But with Moxes and Black Lotus, you could play your one land and then you could cast Mox Ruby for free and Black Lotus for free. Um, and suddenly you have mana from your land, you have one mana from your Mox Ruby and Black Lotus is a zero casting cost artifact that you can tap and sacrifice to add three mana of any color to your mana pool. So you're lousy these, with mana, you can flood the field right away. Yeah, you're breaking the rules in a big, big way. These these cheap zero casting cost artifacts allowed you to have up towards a five or six mana on your first turn, which uh, allowed you to do crazy things and, and broke the rules of the game. So it's insane totally in the membrane. Insane. It's broken. Yeah. What the hell broken. is going on? However, the three cards besides the Moxes and Black Lotus that were Power 9 cards, uh, Time Walk, Time Twister, and Ancestral Recall. Um, these were all instants or sorceries. Um, in fact, I think, yeah, one instant, two sorceries. Time Twister and Time Walk were both sorceries. Ancestral Recall was an instant. They were all blue cards. So out of the five colors, the only colored blue cards that were Power 9 yeah, were blue cards. Blue was the most broken color, and, and they've done things over the years to try to balance that out. But ultimately speaking, blue is still usually the most powerful color um, in Magic. And it's because the specializations for blue are card draw and counter magic. Um, anybody that knows anything about card games well know that uh card advantage drawing more cards than your opponent is one of the best ways to win um and it's, and so blue having the best spells that allow you to draw extra cards gives you a huge advantage over your opponents um and then counter magic there are spells in blue that says counter target spell um and that was both very obnoxious and very powerful um, that's that just like if you played exploding kittens it's just the nope card you know, it's the it's nope being, card. Like, yeah. Nope. Yeah. And it's basically, no, you can't have any fun because you're, you're preventing your opponent from being able to play their cards and do what they built their deck to do. Um, and you're just saying, no, you don't get to do that. I'm the only one that gets to play magic this game. Um, so a lot of people hate blue unless, you know, you're a you power gamer and then you love blue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody hates blue unless you are blue. Um, so Magic, um, to me, it's great because you can play it at a wide variety of, of uh, intricacy. Um, you know, you can, you can be a beginner and pick up some basic decks. You can learn the basic rules of you play your land, you cast your spells, you play your creatures, you attack. Um, and that can be a lot of fun. And then as you get to know the game a little bit better, you start playing against people that know the timing a little bit better. Um, you know, the card interactions, um, I, yeah, the more you know the rules and the timing of it, the, the more you understand the way that certain cards interact with each other, um, and the strategy just kind of grows exponentially from there. Um, it's definitely 
one of the most complicated games that I've ever played. Um, and, um, and that's part of why I got so addicted to it <laughs> and try, you know, was really interested in playing it very competitively um, was just that it, it, the intricacy of it. And um, it, it's very appealing. I really like it a lot. Mm. Um, so one of my other favorite stories is that in college around the time that I was trying to get onto the pro tour, um, I had a girlfriend and my girlfriend told me once that I loved magic more than I loved her. And what I can say is that she and I are no longer together, but I still play magic. So she might have been on something. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You called me out, but you're not wrong. Right. I oh, still dog. play magic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it was basically my first true love in life, and it's still fantastic. It's aged well. I'm very impressed with how the game has adapted over the years. Um, there's still a very competitive scene out there. Um, you know, you, there's four or five tournaments a year that have a first place prize pool of about twenty-five to thirty thousand um, dollars. There's a lot of there's dozens of smaller tournaments um, that has prize pools, the, the grand prix um, every year that have prize pools in the thousands of dollars. Um, and now, of course, first there was Magic: The Gathering online. Uh, that was the first online version of Magic, which was very excellent. It was great, but it, they basically took the real-life model and transposed it to an electronic model identically. So you had to buy booster packs at $3.95, just like you would buy paper booster packs. You would buy electronic booster packs. And then um, I think it was a little bit intimidating and, and prohibitive for a lot of people to invest in electronic card collection at the same monetary rate that they were and now look at us now digital yeah. collectibles are everything <laughs> nfts are rampant and the world has gone they to are show. rampant <laughs> but now with magic arena magic arena does provide that that model um of being able to play for free theoretically um you know depending on how intensely you want to play uh, it definitely makes it a lot easier if you invest money into Arena um, to speed up the process of, of building a collection. Um, but it does do a fantastic job of introducing new players to the game. Um, hmm. And I believe, uh, so Hearthstone was a game that was introduced in World of Warcraft, the MMO, a multi-user dungeon World of Warcraft uh, video game. And in that video game, you could play Hearthstone. Um, and then they created an app for Hearthstone. Uh, and it basically Hearthstone was a like dumbed down version of Magic. Um, and so Magic Arena has very much the same uh, layout, the same look um, as Hearthstone does. And it's, it's very user friendly. Um, and, and like I said, it, it allows people to, to kind of jump into the game without having to worry about how do I tap my mana? How do I tap my lands to draw mana from them to cast this spell? Well, MTG Arena is going to allow you, it's going to tell you if you can cast the spell, it's going to you know, highlight it, you drag it out there, it'll auto tap the lands for you. Um, so it kind of gets you past a lot of the stumbling blocks of when you're first learning, and then as you get more accustomed to it, um, you can disable certain features that do things automatically for you, and um, you can you know, uh, kind of get a little bit more hands-on to the timing and the rules of it. Um, but it, it definitely allows um, 
it's a, it's a jumping off point for people that are, are trying to get into it for the first time and, and maybe try to avoid some of the more intimidating aspects. Definitely. Nice. That's been my experience with it. You know, I mean, I, I have not played much magic, um, you know, myself, but almost every single group of friends I've ever had have been super into magic. And I just, I don't know. I just never really quite got into it. Um, but I think that uh, I've, played Magic the Gathering Arena a couple times and thought that it's really, really well done, really great product. Yeah. I mean, I, I have um, a small amount of cards in real life. I had built a couple decks back in the day and like, you know, you know how it is when you have friends who play Magic, they're like, okay, well, I have all these extra cards, so I'll just build you a deck, you know? Yeah. You play. So like I have like two, <laughs> you know, friend built decks and then I also had to bought, you know, some, some, uh, some myself, but yeah, I mean, it's always cool. I've always loved the artwork and the theming of it yeah. and everything, but I do think that it is something that feels once you've seen, once so much time has gone by, it's like, I almost wish you could play in a time capsule where it's like, can we just play with just the first three sets and just like build right, a deck right. on that and, and, and like get good at that. And then can we do the next, you know, it's like, it's hard to put everything well, back in Pandora's box. What magic has uh, developed, which is, is ingenious in a lot of ways. Um, there's different formats that you can play and probably the most user-friendly uh, format is standard. Standard only uses the sets that have been released in um, the last two years, roughly. Um, and so there's a rotation factor that, um, as sets, as new sets come out, older sets rotate out. Um, they've changed the rotation rules about it quite a bit, but, um, coming up in September, we were at the end of August right now, right now we're at the end of a two year period where we are playing with, uh, six sets in standard right now. Um, the next time that the set comes out in September, um, the, the three earliest sets, the three sets from last year are going to cycle out. So standard will only be four sets. Um, but it, it, it kind of does what you, you, what you were asking for, Tim, which is limit the card pool. Say, I don't want to be overwhelmed with 25 to 30 years of cards that have come out. And everybody has invested all this money into their huge collection. And how yeah. can I possibly compete with people who have all the cards? Well, play standard. Um, and you only have to compete with the people who have invested for like the last year and a half or something. Cool. Um, and it's a little bit easier to get caught up. The other option to play is limited. Um, limited is one of my favorites. That's uh, limited is basically saying, instead of building your own collection and building a 60 card deck out of the cards that you own, um, instead sit down with a group of people with booster packs and you can either seal deck or you can draft. Sealed deck basically saying you have six booster packs. You're going to open those booster packs right now. And out of the cards that you open in those six booster packs, you're going to make the best 40 card deck you can. You're going I've to done use a both. draft before and I love that. I think that's yeah. one of the most fun ways to play a game and learn a game is just like, hey, look, this is the pool of cards you got. Just try to make something happen. Exactly. When, every, when everybody has to do that, it's so much fun because it just really levels the playing field. It's like choosing random on a fighting game. And it's like, look, I'm not going to pick who I'm best at. I just got to deal with what I get. I, right. I the skill factor comes down to the skill factor comes down to like being knowledgeable about how do you build a good, how do you draft the best? Ad you know, how do you build a good draft deck? But yeah, it really evens the playing field um, in knowing that yes, you have in drafting in drafting it's three packs. You have a pack, you pick one card, you pass um, by the end of it, you've picked 45 cards and then you end up using 23 of those 45 cards uh combined with 17 basic land 
to make a 40 card deck. Seal deck is very similar, except instead of opening pack and picking one card and passing it to somebody else, um, in seal deck, you open your six booster packs. Those are your cards that you can build from. Choose 23 of the best that you want to play with, combine it with 17 basic land, and then you have your sealed deck. Um, and yeah, I think that is definitely the, the, the best way to level the playing field um, to, you know, not have to compete against people that have invested a ton of money into it um, and put a lot of time into fine tuning their best constructed deck and that they're going to destroy you with. Cool. Um, so limited is a really fun, uh, fun and fair uh, way to, to play magic and kind of both start, start your own collection because as you're buying these booster packs to play seal deck and to draft, you get to keep the cards. So you're building your collection there and you're having fun playing with them um, while you build your collection. That is really cool to know about. I didn't know about either of those or any of those rule sets. Uh, and those are the kind of things that I think help make it a lot more approachable for people like me and Joe and Steve, you know, I mean, shit, maybe, maybe we should all just get together and play magic sometime. Look I mean, we all have computers. Um, but I'm yeah. not saying, but I'm just saying that, yeah, we want to zoom sometime and, and uh, play some uh, long distance magic or something like that. Some steel deck, you know, I'm not saying just saying, but it's not. Nothing just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think that sounds pretty awesome. We could uh, we could live stream it or something. It's like a go. popular thing people do. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's great. Um, so you know, hey, tools are out there. Um, there's some resources available. You don't have to drop money. You don't got to know everything. Um, right. So cool. All you right. You have to so, drop a little bit of money. I'm never gonna say magic is not an expensive hobby. You always yeah. have to drop a little bit of money. But you're gonna you're are, gonna get are... to that point. You're gonna want to. Yeah. 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 You um, can definitely tear yourself up and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. There's options magic... that don't involve you to take out a personal loan. So. <laughs> Magic the Gathering Arena is free, at least to start. So you can go through the <clears throat> tutorials and even just see if you like what you see and, and play a pretty good amount, you know, and you'll know yeah. from that. Um, all right, awesome. So let's move on to the final chapter of this here trading card game saga. Uh, I will I will launch things off and then I will pass the torch to uh, someone who has not gotten to talk uh, in a little bit. Uh, so we are going to talk about the the fine card game that has also been mentioned a couple times tonight, which is Yu-Gi-Oh! the trading card game uh pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh are the two card games that have had the most exposure to um Yu-Gi-Oh really was a lot of interest driven by the anime and the the game of dual monsters that they play in the anime and seeing it on tv and you know seeing that the game that they play in the show is a lot like the game that is in real life you know it's not like it's not like pokemon where you're watching pokemon and you're like hey man what the hell pikachu used like four moves in a row right there and that's not how it works <laughs> in the game in the game i can do quick attack and then that's it pikachu just did quick attack and he fucking dodged an attack <laughs> and got to hit squirtle you're like that ain't, that's not how pokemon works it's a turn-based rpg you attack i attack mm -hmm. but Yu-Gi-Oh uh really was exactly like the card game you know so that made it extra fun you're, you're watching them play it and you're like oh shit i want to play this um yeah, and it was, granted, it was the know, real game just like way more exciting and dramatic why was yeah. it so exciting yeah. steven what was the thing well because of the like the energy they were they were so goddamn serious they were oh. it was full of bombast and explosions and light and real monsters that would jump out of the friggin' thing on their arm and yes. and it was it was just <laughs> insane like in real life it's real fun monsters. but you know you just put a card on the table right but in this the, was in you the put the a anime, card down and it's like you summoned skull 
It's summon skull. Yes. You should summon stare. summon skull. The summon to summon skull. Summon the summon skull. Uh, and actually, <laughs> a quick quick side note: there was a game for the PlayStation I that was called like Eye of the Storm or something. Uh, what was that friggin' hold on? PlayStation I card game was called the Eye of Judgment, and that game tried to make Yu-Gi-Oh thing real where you had a camera a web camera that you would point down on a table and then the game came with a deck of cards and every card that you put down the camera would recognize and it would make the monster physically appear on the camera and i always wanted to play this damn game but it came out on the playstation 3i and it was too much money to justify on one stupid thing so i never tried it um but anyway <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh anime really helped sell the game and Yu-Gi-Oh was promoted and pushed forward by konami uh, and so Konami was no stranger to video games. So there was a ton of different crossover content between video games, the real trading cards and the anime. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to Parasite Steve so that he can talk a little bit about his Yu-Gi-Oh experience. My experience with this game is simply that um, <clears throat> you were into Pokemon uh, first and and I was, uh, you, know, you know, we're brothers. I'm 12 years older than you so when you were a little kid and you were playing pokemon i was kind of just going off to college and um i it was like literally pokemon blue and i liked watching you play the game and like we kind of played it together but you were really driving and and then that was that and i never got into the card games i never learned them um and you started to just kind of do that with your friends and stuff that were your actual age. And then with Yu-Gi-Oh, it was just like, oh, you know, this is happening all over again. And I I really, really liked the artwork with Yu-Gi-Oh cards more so than Pokemon. And um, yeah, the art was I, awesome. And that was before I we started to see like obscure Konami characters showing up on the card artwork, um, which w made it even more fun. But right. But you had it was shipped it from was, Gradius. You had mystical ninja characters. You had right. random characters Get from Getsu Fumaden. Like, Getsu Fumaden, like old Konami games that never came to America. Like there was a lot Lots of really of fun deep references. Of, yeah, a lot of deep cuts. A lot of deep yeah. cut Konami characters. Uh, mystical ninja. Did you say that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Um, but so I was sort of like you know I was in college and um, this one one of like my favorite systems at the time was the. Game Boy Advance. And so there was a there was a Yu-Gi-Oh game um, that I ended up picking up called Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duelist Soul, which was released October 16th, 2002 in the United States. And it was just basically what you guys are talking about, I think, with uh, the online version of Magic the Gathering. And it really was uh, a way that I like learning any game, which is to just simply do it, but with training, training wheels. So like, yep. I am not able to do anything wrong. When I try to do something, it tells me, oh, you can't do that. Okay. Uh, and then you sort of learn by doing. That's how really my brain needs to learn something. I can't sit there and listen to an explanation. It's, it doesn't work. Right. So like so with something like this, you just have to learn by doing. You just have to go through it and do it a few times. But with something like, you know, where you guys were talking about the magic online, like that seems really fun for me because that is my experience with Yu-Gi-Oh. So I really had a lot of fun with this. I was thinking that I was probably only going to play it once or twice and, you know, <clears throat> not 
intentionally sitting down to say like, no, I'm going to learn this. It ended up being fun and it taught me the game. Eternal Dula Soul or EDS, I guess it's called, uh, you know, it's, it's no frills, uh, just a simple, very, very simple video game version of the card game. Uh, there's no animations really like of the monsters or anything like that. They're just crappy low res scans of each card artwork. And it just, <laughs> it's just literally just on the Game Boy Advance. Um, but it taught me really, really well. And so I was able to finally like go home and we were able to play Yu-Gi-Oh in real life and it was super fun so really yep. you know this is probably my favorite straight card game that i've ever played really um and um you know i haven't played it in a lot of years but we had our time where we were like so into it we were we would take decks in the car and we would just both sit in the back seat and you know we'd like if we were going on a family vacation and driving somewhere that was going to take a few hours to get there and one was driving yep. anyway it's like okay yeah, well, I'll just sit in the back seat with you and we'll just play Yu-Gi-Oh on the back seat. And that was like an incredibly fun experience just overall. So, um so yeah, I mean this is sort of a like a special memory for me with this attached to this card game. And uh, we did we did watch the show as well uh yeah. together and it was it was very fun. Um but yeah, no, I I think this is a great game. It's it's not that complicated. It all really comes down to, you know, you can play cards either in like face up face down you can play them sideways they're in defense mode uh vertically they're in offense mode each car each card uh can be either magic card or a monster card and you you know the monsters have different levels that are designated by little stars and um there's just sort of a couple things to really look out for it's just kind of groups of four so if there's four stars you can put it right out if it's a monster and you can put it in defense or an offense it's up to you and it depends on what the values are what makes sense and uh, and then if it's um if it's uh i think up to seven it needs one sacrifice so you'd have to have a weaker monster on the field and then you can use that as a as a tribute you have to tribute you, uh, summon you have to tribute summon and uh, get something like the summon skull which you know is a early card that everybody knows and it has you know an insanely high attack compared to everything else like you might only have an 800 attack monster out there because the point really is to uh deplete because it's video gamey so you know you have to deplete the hit points of the other other player you have eight thousand hit points and um i think it's eight thousand. The, yeah and the attacks of the monsters are often in the hundreds or thousands you know thousands, it's not like yeah. you know dealing yeah. 20. so you know but if it goes higher than uh if it goes i think two eight you need two tribute summons and oftentimes those aren't necessarily worth it and then there are certain cards that are just like the deck breaking type cards that they built in certain really difficult ways of using them so where something like instead of just being like oh you have a black lotus it's unfair it's like well it's really hard to get this one to work like a, a really famous Got a very specific uh, setup yeah, like a really mm -hmm. famous example was there's this character Exodia, the Forgotten One, or the Forbidden One. Forbidden One, yep. Exodia, the Forbidden One. And you had to have the five pieces of Exodia. You had to have his head, his arms, and his legs. So those, you have to own them, first of all. And then they have to come up and be in your hand. And I think when you got all five, all they had to do, I believe, is be in your hand. Yep. And then you 
it's an automatic victory. It is it's the golden snitch. It is the golden snitch. You just win if you yep. get that. But it's it's like, you know, you won't. It's really necessarily... hard to do. You have to build your whole deck around being able to summon, yeah. you know, low power earth creatures so that you can pull all the different parts of Exodia from your deck. And so then you're filling it with cards that kind of suck ass, but they have a good effect. Yeah, you're that never going to use pull any Exodia. Of those you're not trying to deplete their life. You're trying to just yeah. get Exodia. You know, so there's a lot of really specific builds, and, and yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh is a is definitely one of those series that has so many like specific groupings of cards. Like, oh, here's all the seven samurai cards. So there's all the alien soldier cards here's mm -hmm. all you know whatever and it's like they all play really well with each other but a lot of those card you know suites or whatever are spread across multiple booster packs and it's really not easy to to lock down that full tactic because you have to collect them all and it's like oh my god they're not all in one booster pack i have to keep paying attention to what comes out so it eventually gets very very complicated and i think the meta of Yu-Gi-Oh just went bananas when they started adding all kinds of crazy cards like synchro summons and xyz and pendulum monsters and link summons and like they just just mm. went nuts um and when it started out you know i think the most complex things that you would get is you had fusion cards where you would have two cards that had to be on the field and you would play polymerization to fuse to make this other card or their tribute mm -hmm. summons where you had to actually have a specific ritual card and you also had the card had to have the card that it summoned and uh, the ritual cards would typically require certain very specific sacrifices of a certain power level in order for you to get uh, the, the creature out. And those were like some of the biggest things that you would be able to do in the first few expansions of Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, mm -hmm. But uh, other than, you know, being a pretty decent card game as well, it did have a couple of spin-off video games that changed up the rule sets as well that were locally, uh, located on the PS2. There was Duelist of the Roses, which tried to reinvent the Yu-Gi-Oh! format as a pseudo-chess style game where every card had different movement patterns and you had to progress from one side of the board to the other, defeating their cards as they moved across, and then ultimately getting to the far end of the playing field and being able to attack mm -hmm. their life points directly. Um, and then there was we also... Loved that game. We, love, we love loved it. that love game. It. It's, it was, it's truly it's one of the most creative a... spin-off games, like for any any yeah, established card game. well-remembered or loved. Very good, though. It's a very good game. Um, there's also the... Uh, capsule monster coliseum which tr tried to make it like a miniature style game where there is also some degree of chess with certain movements but instead of getting from one side of the field to the other side of the field you are trying to destroy all of the opponent's units uh, before they destroy you um so that game was very unique and uh there was also a third spinoff that was in the anime called dungeon dice monsters i believe that there is a, a game based on that but i don't remember the rule sets enough to be able to explain it. Um, but Yu-Gi-Oh! has been around and has been iterated on quite a bit. There's even some new, more approachable styles of playing Yu-Gi-Oh! that are called Yu-Gi-Oh! Speed Duel, which does away with some of the more complex things and some of the more, you know, ridiculous rules that have come about later. And there's an even faster version called Yu-Gi-Oh! Rush Duel that's also out. Um, I don't know too much about either of them. I've never played them, but I guess they are uh exist in some form or another as far as like apps or games or whatever that can help you teach the the rule set mm -hmm. um but Yu-Gi-Oh is a very special card game for me and i mean it really was for a time like the most into a card game i ever got because after school in in middle school 5th 6th 7th grade the library across the street from a middle school would have um like after school get togethers and a bunch of people would go and be playing Yu-Gi-Oh i mean it was like 
It was Yu-Gi-Oh. It was not, oh, there's also Magic and there's also Pokemon and everything else. It's like everyone here was playing Yu-Gi-Oh. And it was pretty cool because I didn't think that that would really ever be a thing I got to do. So for like a year or so there, it was a lot of fun to go after school and get to play and and have that experience. And, uh, you know, it it was singular. So definitely really like it, really recommend it to people. I'm not sure the best way to get into it now. I know that there are some current apps and things, um, but I've, I haven't touched Yu-Gi-Oh in quite a long time. So I am pretty out of the loop, Um, but it's still awesome. It is, it's 23 years old. It was first published in 1999. So there's been a lot going on there. Mm. All right. But, uh, yeah. Good stuff, yeah. though. Yeah. All right. Alrighty. Cool beans. Um, well, I think we've kind of cool gone cards. around. Yeah, we've 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 gone around this topic quite a bit, and I think that we have covered a lot of great information and uh, have had a chance to share and and reminisce and do exactly what I wanted to do on this year' trading card game and card yeah. game episode. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, we are almost almost at the end here it's almost time for us to catch that horizon but before we say goodbye we have one more thing so let's go to this according to the clock it's half past 13 so light a candle uncork that cask of amontillado and dust off another tome from the bookshelf of the dead hey everybody parasite steve on the and uh, I have for you today, as you heard in the intro, another bookshelf of the damned, another another tome for the shelf, if you will. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about a book from my very good friend, Ed Kurtz, really accomplished author, very, very nice guy, very talented dude. Um, I've written a read, I've read a few of his books so far, and uh, I'm going to talk about the one I just recently finished. It is called Boone, and Boone is a Western um, or as, uh, or as Ed likes to say, it is a, it is a woke Western. Um, as I like to do on these, I'm going to read the back of the book for y'all right here and let, let the books, let the blurb speak for itself <clears throat> with the, with the book voice. No man is Boone's equal, no gun more lethal. Boone Sriang Shuan travels the trails riding from town to town with her one and only friend, a portly Arkansan drunkard by the name of Edward Spletstozer. She has done nothing else for years, her only goal being revenge upon the one man who should have protected her, but instead sold her and her mother into bondage. From Texas to the New Mexico Territory, from the filthy back streets of San Francisco's notorious Barbary Coast to the ghost town of a depleted placer mine, Boone and Edward navigate corrupt lawmen hostile Clawa, a mad judge, and countless gunmen aiming for their heads in Boone's dogged pursuit of answers and vengeance. 2020 Ed Kurtz book, Boone. It is the first in a trilogy. I definitely plan on continuing. Um, Yeah, uh, we have it goes to the uh, vengeance of Boone and then a requiem for Boone, all by uh, the delightful Mr. Ed Kurtz, who is just a super dude, and I uh, I quite enjoy him. Uh, yeah, go check it out. You can get it in paperback or in audio. Honestly, the the guy who reads this on Audible, Joshua Saxon, does a much better job than I just did. He is 
freaking amazing reading this and it really adds to the whole experience so um and if that's not enough to to pique your interest it's extra cool because uh boone is based on uh on on his, his very lovely girlfriend uh who is also a friend of mine so it's 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 just kind of extra cool Neat. that he wrote this entire trilogy of books for her um very 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 cool so that's my bookshelf of the of the damned boon by ed kurtz with a k k-u-r-t-z nice bookshelf of the damned get yourself a yeah. book recommendation what the hell are we reading up in here damn right yeah we sometimes we do that damn why Damn white. Damn white. Damn white. He's white. He's white. Yes, he's white. Um, Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you know, I think that about wraps up this episode. Just want to say a very special thank you to our awesome guest, Danny. Thanks so much for being on and getting nerdy with us. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on, dropping all that quality knowledge on our butts. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be part of Retro Redoctopus after all this yeah. time. Really appreciate the invite. Let me geek out about magic, Dominion, silly stuff like cribbage and euchre. Like, thank you. It's been fun. Awesome. Awesome. Shabibin. I know you dropped, you dropped the Shabibin on. Shabibin. Oh. <laughs> so good. So good. So awesome. good. This was a lot of fun. So uh, we want to just say thank you to our faithful, loving audience. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you liked what you heard, please hit the subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. As well as being part of the Inebriate Podcast Network, Retro Red Octopus is a member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. We were actually just at Retro World Expo, uh, Nintendo and I, and mm-hmm. uh, we were we had the Dorkening uh, booth there, and there was a whole bunch of different Dorkening happenings this weekend, uh, being the weekend of the 27th and 28th. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Dorkening, we're a part of it. So if you get a chance, yeah. please check out our sister shows like Shark Bites, Epic Tales from the Sewers, Amalga Files, The Scream Sisters, Black and White Fright, The Horror Squad, Geek Life HQ, uh, and uh, I don't know, maybe Behold a Pale Podcast. Check those out. Yeah, maybe them too. Um, maybe check them out <laughs> maybe once. Uh, for more information or to subscribe to us for any of these other great shows, please visit thedorkening.com. That's T-H-E-D-O-R-K-E-N-I-N-G.com. And be sure to check out our killer sponsors, Deadly Grounds Coffee, Coffee to Die For. I have been your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and we will catch you next time.